With me today is John Herzog with AT&T talking about his work and advances made with accessibility and DirecTV. Go ahead, John. Talk to us about the many benefits of what DirecTV has to offer. Sure. DirecTV is a satellite service that allows you to watch movies and TV shows. It's been around since the mid-90s. We've added accessibility to the whole user experience. So we have traditional set-top boxes. Those are like the boxes that you hook up to your TV and browse through channels and things. And we have mobile apps for iOS and Android. And as part of CVAA regulations, we spent better part of the past year and a half making our apps accessible and then enhancing the user experience on iOS and Android and we also created a talking guide for the set-top box so that if you don't want to use your mobile app or if you're sitting there and you want to hear something with video description you can use remote control and you can have things read to you as you move through and choose programs that you want to watch just using your TV remote. Yes, so one of the regulations of the CVAA says that there are nine networks, essentially, that have to carry a certain amount of video description. USA, TNT, TBS, Disney Channel, History, ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. One of the requirements is that as a satellite TV provider, we have to pass through that video description. That is, we have to make sure that the users with the set-top boxes can actually hear that video description when it's offered by the networks. And so one of the cool features that we have in place right now is that if you're using our set-top box with a talking guide, you can choose a program to listen to, and then you can turn on secondary audio so that you can hear the described content, and you can do it independently through the talking menus. We've received some positive feedback. We actually have FAQs on our website that explain how to turn on the talking guide. They explain what equipment is compatible with talking guide, that is, what set-top boxes have it. And then we have a different FAQ on our website that explains how you can turn on audio description. And one of the courtesies we've done for blind consumers is we've given a layout of the remote control and a tactile description of where the buttons are that you're going to need to push in order to turn those features on. Yes, it is. It's been a very good learning experience, honestly. I've had a supportive supervisor and supportive staff who have really helped me out, both taking the time to understand what I would like to do as part of this project and help make TV accessible. They've given me the support, allowing me to dedicate the hours to fix it, to develop accessibility in such a way that it's usable. The other thing is, and I have to compliment the Direct TV folks on this, they've been very receptive to feedback. One of the things we've done is we launched our talking guide feature in November of 2016. We fixed some features along the way. We've added an accessible help system just recently, and we have some new exciting changes that are going to be released to the public by the end of 2017. So they've been very receptive to feedback and constructive criticism, and I really thank them for that, both on the set-top box and on the mobile app side. One of the cool things is that I get the sense that our company has embraced it as being a good thing to do rather than just a required thing. Because as you know, the CVAA does say that if you are a TV provider, bigger than 250,000 people or something like that, if you are a TV provider, you have to have an accessible service for blind and visually impaired. And our company is really taking that to task and taking it to heart to really produce something that is enjoyable to use. And, you know, I'll be honest, 
We still have some areas where we can use improvements, but that's part of what this is about. My attendance at the ACB convention is about telling users what works right now and giving them a little bit of hands-on experience with the mobile apps and taking some feedback and sort of seeing how we can further help and make things better moving forward. We've had some questions about what features are available for those subscribers who cannot get a dish or don't want to get a dish. I will say this, DirecTV does have more accessibility features and they are more robust. But for UVerse, we've added some very new exciting features to the new UVerse app that we released in June. One of the features that you can now do if you're a blind UVerse subscriber is you can download the UVerse app to your iPhone or to your Android and you can use the remote control on the app to turn on video description on your TV box. So let's say that you're sitting at home and Mr. Robot comes on. That's one of my favorite shows at, at the moment. You can just have one-touch access to uh, secondary audio on UVerse, and you can press that button on the app, and it will turn that feature on for you. So that's a very welcome improvement in our June app. We also went through and we improved the accessibility of the TV Guide and the On Demand. So the goal is to give you a decent experience whether you have the Direct TV app or the UVerse app. That is the idea. If you call in and you have the ability to upgrade to DirecTV, then you will be offered a DirecTV upgrade, and it will be free of charge to you as a blind consumer because we understand that there are certain circumstances like being in an apartment that doesn't face the right direction or other instances where DirecTV may not be available. And so we want to be sure that good service is available to all of our customers. On the 3rd and the 4th of July, I will be present there at ACB, and I will be at the exhibit hall. I'm going to be sharing a table with Ira, which are those glasses that uh, making quite the buzz. From what I and we're going to have some demonstrations of the DirecTV app running on iOS and Android devices. The app is compatible with iPhone and iPad and Android phone and Android tablets. It's worth mentioning that we also do support Kindle. So we have quite a few devices in our lineup. We are evaluating other platforms for accessibility as we consider creating apps for them as well. So the idea is to have an inclusive experience, and if you stop by, you will be able to see and play around with the DirecTV apps on a few Android and iOS devices. I'm also very pumped about another new feature that we are just about to launch, and we will have it from that convention. There's an ability now, if you have the DirecTV mobile app, you will be able to stream secondary audio as you watch live TV. This is really cool because a lot of people say, oh, I just like to watch things on my phone. I like the quickness which I can move through the channels on my phone and my screen reader is configured just the way I want it. You have to go through a few steps, but when you register your direct TV app to your DVR, you can actually stream channels when you're at home and choose the secondary audio option from within our video player. Now, we don't yet have any help up on the website explaining how to do that because it is a brand new feature. But what's so great about it is it allows you to watch shows with video description in real time. And as you may know, it also allows blind people to hear emergency information if that occurs while they're watching TV on their mobile devices. One of the interesting things is last year, the CVAA required that local TV stations verbalize those emergency crawls that go across the bottom of the screen. 
they do so by broadcasting a message on the secondary audio channel. There was a requirement that said that we had to pass that information through, much like video description. We've made sure that our talking guide on the set-top box supports that, but there's a new rule kicking in in July that says that we have to make sure that blind people watching on mobile devices can also still hear that emergency information. And we're proud to say that we have that feature. It's going to be live to the App Store in a few days now, and it's going to be another game changer. I think we touched on this briefly, but with the talking guide on the set-top box, I just want to re-emphasize that you are able to view information. You're able to browse the TV guide, so you're able to see what shows are on what channel. You're able to view the guide for two weeks in advance using talking guide, which is just operated by your set-top box and your remote control. You're able to get more information about programs. You're able to schedule recordings, and you're able to use the talking guide to go back and view your playlist so that you can replay what you've recorded later. And the best part about all of this is that if you record shows with video description, as I do, you can go back and play those at any time on your DVR and change audio and have a fully accessible experience, not having to rely on the smartphone at all, if you don't want I'm going to encourage as many of you as possible to come by on July 3rd and 4th because that's when I'm at the ACB convention. I will be at the convention hall. There's a panel on video description on July 4th. It's going to be quite an interesting conversation, and I'm going to be there on that one. You can find information about turning on the talking guide if you just do a Google search for DirecTV, it's all one word, and then space talking guide. And talking guide is two separate words. So DirecTV talking guide. And the first result that shows up is actually our support page about turning on the talking guide feature. On your ACV video description page, we also have the link for turning on DirecTV video description. And that article can be gotten to from the ACB video description webpage. Thank you, John, and thank you, AT&T, for another year of sponsorship of our convention. Hello, this is Larry Turnbull with ACB Radio, and with me is Joel Moffat of Comcast. And as everybody knows, Comcast has been the leading uh, cable provider to provide the uh, voice guidance software. They were the first ones to do it. So without further ado, welcome, Joel. Thanks, Larry. It's good to be here. Good to talk to you again. Thank you, yes, and thank you for being a sponsor for the American Council of the Blind uh, 2017 Conference and Convention. And, uh, you bet. Very good. And so we'll get right into it. Uh, so what has uh, Comcast got going new uh, since they released the uh, voice guidance software for their X1 boxes? Sure, I'll tell you all about it. Well, uh, so first of all, uh, as you probably know, I'm the customer experience lead for our accessibility team here at Comcast. So uh, as we iterate and innovate on our product, uh, particularly our X1 operating system, that's our latest, greatest cloud-powered set-top box operating system for, for video entertainment and really aggregating all of our services right on the TV. Uh, so as we work to improve that product uh, you know, pretty quickly because it's cloud-powered, uh, we work to engage with folks like ACB and, and others to really get the perspective of our customers uh, as we're working to, to develop these features and, and not after, right? 
So take, for instance, voice guidance, which we launched a couple of years ago. That's our talking guide, essentially our screen reader for our X1 operating system. Work very closely with folks from ACP and others to really to look and find community needed to get out of a feature like that. So I just want to say here that we really value those partnerships. We really value those customers' perspectives, and um, that's what really helped us to make this product great. So launched voice guidance a while back now and just continue to take that feedback on how to improve it, how to make it better, how to make it easier to get to accessibility settings throughout our X1 operating system and, and our other platforms as well. So uh, one thing I can tell you that's coming around the corner that folks I know have been pretty interested in uh, pretty much from the get-go is the ability to change the speech rate on our voice guidance feature on X1. So that's coming up very soon. All right, so because of stuff in the background here. Um, so yeah, speech rate for voice guidance is coming around the corner uh, pretty quickly. So you'll have the ability to choose from a couple of different modes, speed up the speech rate of voice guidance for folks who are used to using a screen reader on a daily basis. So when we launched the product, we wanted to put it in kind of a novice mode. So you may have somebody who uh, maybe lost their sight later in life and had never used a screen reader before they would have wanted to speak a little more slowly, whereas veteran screen readers are going to want to have that speech rate jacked up a little bit, and we'll be delivering that very soon. Um, some of the other enhancements you can look forward to, or actually you can check out now if you're an X1 user at the moment, uh, is a voice command. So we've got um, a, a voice command now to turn voice guidance off or on. So what I mean by that is that you can just grab your Xfinity X1 voice remote, and just a couple of buttons above the OK button in the very center of the remote, there's a voice button. You can hold that down, and you can just say voice guidance, and it'll bring up the dialog that says, hey, do you want to turn voice guidance on, or hey, do you want to turn voice guidance off, if you've already got it on. So just continually improving on the ways that there are to access uh, the different features we have uh, with regard to accessibility within the X1 operating system. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, and of course, know about the audio description option that's in there. Uh, what are the cable networks doing to get more of their stuff uh, available for audio description? Sure. Uh, video description is always a hot topic, so um, I'll answer that question in just a second, but to give you a kind of a holistic view of where we're at video description on our side, uh, as I mentioned, we've got the voice guidance voice command to turn that off and on. So similarly, uh, we've recently been able to get the video description voice command. So if you just grab that remote again, press the voice button, go ahead and say video description, it's going to go ahead and turn video description off or on. So you can get to that quickly and easily without having to dig into the settings. Although with the aid of voice guidance, you can freely go into settings and find accessibility settings and uh, set your video description preferences there. And that's where you would also do the the voice guided speech rate as well. So it's really nice to finally have that video description command. So if you can picture sitting down on your couch, um, maybe you're blind or you have low vision and nobody else is home yet, so you can go ahead and say, uh, just grab your, your voice remote there, say voice guidance to turn that off or, or turn that on rather, and then just go ahead and say video description to turn that on. And then from there, you can go ahead and say something like, show me movies with video description, or shows with video description. 
and that's going to bring you like, right to a landing page where you can find a whole bunch of content that's available with description, stuff that's airing right now, stuff that's available on demand. Uh, that's a limited set of content right now, and I'm working on flushing that out a little bit. Uh, things like um, The Wiz Live, which NBC aired uh, back in 2015. That was the first live broadcast entertainment with video description. So um, that was pretty cool for us here at Comcast to work with NBC, the other side of our house, to get that done. And then uh, last year we did Hairspray Live, and along the way there we also did all of the primetime episodes of the Rio Olympics, which, Larry, I think you and I talked about last year. So we're just continuing to push for some um, some innovative and interesting content like that, uh, and also making it easier to get to content um, that's already available there. So in terms of what content providers are doing to offer more description, um, just stay tuned. We continue to work with NBC. We continue to, to work with our um, video entertainment services division to you know work with the content providers and try to get more stuff with description on demand and just you know continue to work on the product and make it easier for everybody to find it and enjoy. Great stuff, yeah. I am a Comcast customer myself, and I do enjoy the voice guidance and the video description and you know, all the great features that uh, come with it. So um, one of the other things that's uh, interesting is um, sometimes when we get uh, only one channel does it here in my area in Springfield, Illinois, um, but when it uh, comes with the crawler with like emergency alerts, you know, like, storm watches and stuff like that it sometimes it gets to where it repeats a lot and I was wondering if it's going to come with a feature where you can hit a button and say okay I've, I've heard the information you can stop now is there a function like that coming down the line soon sure yeah so you're basically looking for a, like a shut up button on the voice guidance right right <laughs> like that yeah sure a lot of requests like that and we listen to all of them we get things in the backlog whenever we can um you know, we hear a lot of things through our Accessibility Customer Support Center. So, uh, as you probably know, we've got our Accessibility Support Center for customers with disabilities, and if you're having any issues with voice guidance or video description, you know, for our deaf or hard of hearing customers, we handle closed captioning issues for them as well, um, operator services and directory assistance, you know, anything related to accessibility, you can go ahead and you can reach out to that Accessibility Support Center, and they can be reached at 855-270. 0379 and you can also get them by email at accessibility at comcast.com and you can get chat support at comcastsupport.com slash accessibility and not to overload you with information but you can also find information on all this stuff at xfinity.com slash accessibility so that team's going to be your go-to for handling any you know day-to-day -day issues and you know often on those phone calls we'll get a question like the one you just asked. And that team of, of frontline support agents is very tightly tied back to our team within you know, product design and development. So we, we encourage those agents to deliver that information to us and say, hey, we heard this. People want you know, speech rate adjustments for voice guidance. And we take that stuff seriously because those agents are hearing from customers like you every day. So we, we keep a close ear on that and try to get things into the backlog wherever we can and get them right into the product. Excellent. So is there anything else that you want to tell, tell our uh, listeners about uh, that Comcast might be coming out here in the foreseeable future? 
Sure. I just speak to our mobile apps a little bit. Our team works with our uh, web and mobile developers pretty closely to um, you know, drive accessibility best practices into their everyday work. So the apps you want to keep a, a lookout for are things like the Xfinity Stream TV app. That's basically X1 for your iPhone or Android device. So you can get most of what you would get on your set-top box right on your phone. You can download your completed DVR recordings if you know you're going to be without an internet connection while you're on the road, and you can watch your favorite shows while you travel. Um, you can get a lot of live stations, even if you're out of home, uh, you know, watch on demand, all kinds of good stuff, and it's just a lot of the functionality that you, you probably come to love in X1. And then uh, in addition to that, we've got the Xfinity TV remote app that our, uh, our accessibility team and our QA folks have worked pretty hard on lately to make compatible with iOS and Android accessibility features. So the Xfinity TV remote app essentially turns your phone into a remote control. So you can control your set-top box from your phone even if you're far away from your set-top box. So what's great about that is if you picture using an iOS device, you would go ahead and fire up voiceover, and then you would open up your uh, Xfinity TV remote app and then as you move your finger around the screen, of course, voiceover is going to announce what buttons are in focus, and you just double tap to do that button. So you essentially have a remote control that's then able to tell you um, what buttons you're working with. And not only that, your phone's probably usually in your pocket, right? So you don't have to worry too much if the, uh, the, uh, the, the hardware remote is you know, down between the couch cushions. Ah, that sounds great. Yeah, that, that's... Uh Pretty interesting device and pretty interesting apps to uh, be able to access all that. Way. Yep, and we're always working on it, always trying to improve. So we always appreciate the feedback and um, you know love hearing from ACB's constituents and you know look forward to continuing to enjoy enjoy the conference and support you guys and and you know enjoy the support of ACB as well. Excellent. Well, thanks for being on with me here on uh, ACB Radio. 2017 American Council of the Blind Conference and Convention. And if there isn't anything else, uh, we can wrap it up here. All right. Thanks a lot, Larry. It's always Thank a you. pleasure. And, uh, always a pleasure. See you soon. All right. Here is the agenda for Sunday, July 2nd. Beginning in the Rose Ballroom at 8 a.m., Entertainment, Sarah Conrad, Madison, Wisconsin. 8.30 a.m. Invocation, John Huffman, Indianapolis, Indiana. Pledge of Allegiance, JPMC, ACB Leadership Fellows, Michelle Zentz, Fargo, North Dakota. Sarah Harris, Fresno, California. And Daisy Russell, Melrose, Massachusetts. 8.35 a.m. ACB Business, ACB Sponsor Recognitions, Marjorie Beeman. Advertising and Sponsorship Coordinator, Austin, Texas. Emerald Sponsor Presentation, Verizon. Zachary Zach Michael Bastian, Manager. Strategic Alliance and Public Policy, Washington, D.C. Ruby Sponsor Presentation, Adobe. Matt May, Program Manager, Accessibility, Seattle, Washington. Adoption of Standing Rules and Program, Kim Charlson, ACB President, Watertown, Massachusetts. Final Credentials Committee Report, Gene Mann, Chair, Albany, New York. Constitution and Bylaws, John Huffman, Chair, Constitution and Bylaws Committee, 
Indianapolis, Indiana. Presiding Officer Jeff Tom, ACB First Vice President, Sacramento, California. 9.15 a.m., Future Directions of VFO Products and Services. Tom Tiernan, CEO, VFO Group, St. Petersburg, Florida. VFO brands include AI Squared, Freedom Scientific, Optelec, and Paseo Group. 9.45 a.m., News and Ongoing Progress at NLS. Karen Kenninger, Director, National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, Washington, D.C. 10.15 a.m., Break. 10.30 a.m., Meet United Nations Ambassador W. Aubrey Webson, representing Antigua and Barbuda UNICEF, President and former Executive Director of Perkins International, New York, New York. 11 a.m., Presentation of Affiliate Membership and Growth Awards and Derwood K. McDaniel Ambassador Award, Raquel Hart, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Chip Haley, Joplin, Missouri, co-chairs, ACB Awards Committee, presentation of Vernon Henley and Ned E. Freeman Awards, Board of Publications members, Susan Glass, Saratoga, California, and Debbie Lewis, Seattle, Washington. 11.20 a.m., CVAA Updates, Opportunities and Successes, News from the FCC, Will Shell, Attorney Advisor, Disability Rights Office, Federal Communications Commission, Washington, D.C. 11.45 a.m., Resolutions, Mark Reichert, Chair, Arlington, Virginia. 11.50 a.m., ACB Recreation Zone, Oral Miller, ACB Past President, Washington, D.C. 11.55 a.m. announcements, and that concludes the agenda for Sunday, July 2nd. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunday, July 2nd. The microphone's deciding to flip around. Uh, Pre-entertainment this morning is Sarah Conrad. I'm going to go ahead and bring up the house and... I'm aware of the electronic noise, so no need to let me know. What I'm going to do to try to clean that up for a while is I'm going to switch my laptop over to battery for a bit, and uh, we'll see how long it will. We'll have to watch the meter and see how far it dips. If it gets too low, of course, I'll have to reestablish power, and that'll bring back the noise. But uh, we'll uh, definitely eliminate it for the quieter parts when uh, the talking is going on. So anyway, glad you're with us again this morning. And we've got uh, a full agenda ahead. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the house and enjoy. Everything I would need, he made all my dreams come true. He must have heard every prayer I've been praying. Yes, he knew everything. Thinking of 
but I can't help falling in love with you. Shall I stay? Would it be a sin? Cause I
Please come to the front, please, Carl. Thank you. Good morning. I first want to say thank you to the talented young woman who just showed me another amazing skill she has, and that's Sarah Conrad, who's a member of our board of directors and a fabulous musician, and what a beautiful voice. Sarah, thank you for sharing your talent with us today. All right. All right. It gives me pleasure to recognize for this morning's invocation a man who I told you I rely on for a lot of things, both um, facts and figures 
and rules and regulations, but I also rely on him for spiritual input. So this morning, I turn to John Huffman for our invocation. John is from Indianapolis, Indiana. Thank you, Madam President. Good morning, ACB. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it may be, wherever, if you are listening out in ACB radio land. Let us be in an attitude of prayer. Oh, sorry. Oh God, by whatever names we call you, you were a God of power and might. It was you who spangled the skies with stars. You who set the planets in their orbits. You who made the home and the earth our home and filled it up with every good thing that we need to sustain us. And when you had done all these things, these acts of grace, you promised us that nothing could ever separate us from your love. O Creator, we confess that we have not always acted worthily toward ourselves, our, our, our fellow human beings, and even toward you. It is we, not you, who have grasped and clawed for personal advantage at the expense of our brothers and sisters because they looked different, they had different thoughts, they expressed different needs and viewpoints. And yet, O oh loving God, you still shower us with your grace and that your love flows over us like a never-ending stream. We have traveled different paths to get here. Remind us of the ways you show us your love. Help us to be respectful in our dealings with all those whose lives we touch while we are here. When we return home from this place, help, help us to show your love as a mirror to, to other people with whom we deal. These things we ask, Lord, in your name. God bless the American Council of the Blind. God bless us all. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Now it's my pleasure to recognize three of our J.P. Morgan Chase Fellows to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Michelle Zentz from Fargo, North Dakota. You can stand while I'm saying their names. That would be more than appropriate. Um, Sarah Harris from Fresno, California, and Daisy Russell from Melrose, Massachusetts. Ladies? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America 
and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, we're going to do um, some ACB business now, I think, although I haven't heard her, I know she's here, the ACB whirlwind, Marjorie Beeman, are you nearby? She is so close, she is right here, and for recognition of our sponsors, Marjorie. Thank you. And Zach is here, I told him we'd get him on as as early as possible because he has a plane. Okay, good morning, everyone. I just, I just want to make sure you're awake. Okay, we have a bunch of sponsors, and I'm going to read each category, and at the end of each category, you can give them a big round of applause because we'd never get through if I read them one by one. Okay, Double Diamond Sponsors, which is our $25,000. We have AT&T, and they're sponsoring ACB Radio Streaming. Google. ACB Conference Banquet, Microsoft, ACB Radio Worldwide Broadcast, Band of Pharmaceutical, ACB Educational and Recreational Events, and ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Diamond Sponsors, 20,000, General Motors, Audio Visual Services. Emerald Sponsors, 10,000, Comcast Volunteer Services, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company Performing Arts Showcase, and ACP Sparks of Enthusiasm Auction, Sprint Information Desk, Uber Communication Center Newspaper, Verizon Conference Registration. Give all of these a hand. Okay, continue on. Ruby, 10,000. Adobe, ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, Audio Described Movie and Recreation Zone. Amazon, ACB Cafe, Humanware Official Conference Program, Regal Cinema, Kids Explorer Club, and ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, VFO, official sponsor of all general sessions. Okay, give those a hand. (laughs) Onyx Sponsors, 5000, Charter Communications, ACB Life Member Reception. Facebook, International Culture Exchange Day, Macler Degeneration Foundation, ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, National Association of Broadcasters, General Operations Support, National Industries for the Blind, ACB Marketplace, Fuel Fund, Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk and Recreation Zone. Give those a hand. (laughs) Topaz Sponsor, ACB Lions, Scholarship Students Travel. Coral Sponsor, 2000, I forgot to tell you that Topaz was three. I'm slacking off. Coral Sponsors, 2000. Randolph Shepherd Vendors of America, Scholarship Dinner and Luncheon for Outstanding Blind Students. Cox Communications Incorporated, Student, Future, ACB Leaders and Young Professionals. Spark Therapeutics Incorporated, ACB Cafe Day, July 2, that's today, and Information Access Workshop. Track Phone, ACB Cafe Day, July the 3rd, and Advocacy Training Workshop. DQ Systems Incorporated, 
And I don't have a sponsor yet, and she should get it to me today. So those are our Topaz and Coral sponsors. Give them a hand. <laughs> Pearl sponsors are 1,000. Disability Relations Group, HCB Cafe Day, July the 4th. Discover Technology Affiliate and Chapter Development Seminar. HIMS Incorporated, Luncheon to Recognize Outstanding Blind Students. Library Users of America, NLS Talking Book Narrators. BOM USA Incorporated, ACB Cafe Day, July the 5th. I think that's it. Give them all a big hand. Thank you, Madam President. All right. Let's have a big hand for Marjorie and all the work she does to help with our sponsors. Thank you. All right. We're going to hear from an, one of our Emerald sponsors. Um, it's my pleasure to introduce to you um, Zach Bastian, who's the manager of Strategic Alliance and Public Policy. He's out of Washington, D.C. for Verizon. Zach. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. All right, I'm just going to have to take this mic out because I'm too tall. Okay. Well, I just wanted to thank Kim, um, Eric, Tony, Marjorie, Larry, and all the great folks at ACB for having me here today, uh, for the opportunity to support this convention, and for their partnership. ACB is truly a great organization. I've had a wonderful time meeting many of you guys, talking with you. Uh, this is a really vibrant grassroots group that's deeply invested in these issues, and it's really a pleasure to work with all of you. So uh, I apologize for being brief today. I have to catch a flight. So what I'm going to do is leave a stack of cards with Eric. So if any of you guys want to follow up, if you have any questions about our services, if you just want to chat, I'm freely available. So please take advantage of that opportunity. Um, I, I'm just going to run down some of the things that Verizon has available for folks that have concerns about accessibility. And you can find a lot of this information in one stop on our website. That's verizon.com slash accessibility. Really easy to remember. It's fully accessible for screen readers because we have a fantastic internal web accessibility team that's done a great job. Um, on these pages, you can learn, for example, that our, for example, with our wireless services, we have free 411 available for eligible customers. Um, we've got alternate billing formats available. We have Braille, large print, audio CD, CD-ROM. We've got on this web page a chart of accessible phones listed by feature, so you can find the phone that's right for you really easily. And we also have a dedicated National Accessibility Customer Service Center strictly for wireless that's open 8 to 9, Monday through Friday. That phone number um, is, if you're a Verizon customer, on your cellular phone is star 611. So really easy to remember. If you're calling from a landline or anywhere else, you can dial 888-262-1999. Now we also have a lot of accessible features for Fios. Um, Fios is available for Lifeline. You can, if you're eligible for Lifeline, you're eligible to apply that discount to your Fios services. Uh, we also have the same alternate billing formats that we have available for our wireless services on there. Uh, we've got big button remotes if you need them. Uh, we have our text-to-speech feature that was enabled last fall, and we're available to help you with setup. And it's compatible with most boxes, but if it's not compatible with your box, we'll help you with that. And in fact, 
we were lucky enough last fall to have Eric up to our offices in Basking Ridge to give us feedback on that tool. So we really rely on our partnership with ACB to give us frank, honest, direct feedback about what this community is concerned about and where we can do better. Um, we also have descriptive video services uh, that are available to be activated within the set-top menu. We've got emergency info available via SAP. And we also have our channel lineups in alternate formats, Braille, large print, whatever you need. We have a separate customer service line dedicated, the Verizon Center for Customers with Disabilities. It's open 8.30 to 5, Monday through Friday, and designed to help anyone that has accessibility needs. And the phone number for that is 800-974-6006. And again, you know, if, if you've written any of this down, great. But all of this information is available to you in accessible screen reader format at verizon.com accessibility. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about really quickly that Verizon is very involved with and that we think is going to lead to a new era of accessible services is 5G. So you may not have heard of 5G. Um, most of your cell phones are running on 4G right now. 4G just stands for fourth generation. So 5G is fifth generation. It's the new wireless standard that's being developed right now. Now what's the difference? The biggest difference is in speed and responsiveness. So right now, your 4G phone is going to run about 12 megabits per second, which is really good for most things that you want to do on the web. You can stream video, you can stream audio, you can send emails, you can take photos. It works great for a lot of those things. But 5G is a new level of speed and responsiveness. On the low end, in the testing that we're doing, we're seeing it run about a gigabit per second. So very, very fast and also ultra-responsive in terms of responding almost instantly. It also runs on very low power. So that means that we can run a lot of new services on it and deliver the ones that we're doing right now even better. And what I see as the theme in general for his accessibility is putting choices back in the hands of the customer that have been taken away from them. So for example, uh, this type of network with the number of connections that it can support and the speed that it will respond will be very instrumental in things like driverless cars. Um, we also have had a lot of conversations with folks about indoor-outdoor navigation services being supported over 5G. I was at M Enabling a couple weeks ago and we met with a company called Wayfinder that has been testing um, indoor navigation services in the train stations in London. And they're very interested in talking to us about 5G because over Bluetooth, which is a standard that they were trying to use up until now, the, the signal just wasn't reliable enough. And particularly around rush hour or something like that, with a bunch of people trying to be connected at once, it just wasn't working for them. And 5G is going to be much better at that. We're already seeing, for example, when I was at M Enabling, Amazon is doing a lot of great work in home automation. And the more devices that you have connected in your phone, in your home, the more that that's going to put data demands on those devices, but 5G can support that. And a lot of the things that we're seeing right now as far as voice-activated functions in the home, we think are going to work really well on 5G. There's also going to be a lot of opportunities for telehealth. And there are, there are companies out there right now that already have these services available. Teladoc, for example. I'm not sure that you've heard of them. But they are working on putting more and more services over uh, available via the internet. So just basic doctor's appointments kinds of things right now, but they're moving towards even more 
even more services and the sensors over 5G that can give doctors a remote assessment of what's going on with the patient. So being able to monitor, monitor vital signs, being able to monitor whether or not you've taken your medication. There's a lot of applications that we see as far as that goes. Now we're testing 5G right now. There's a lot of things that we have to be, we have to figure out as far as how the signal is gonna interact with different environments you know, how it will do going through buildings, going through trees. So there's still a lot of kinks that we have to work out. But we're out there deploying it right now. We're doing pre-commercial trials. So it's going to be available first as an in-home solution. So something that can operate as basically a replacement for Fios in the near term because the antennas aren't quite small enough to fit in a cell phone yet. But it's going to be there, um, and we're going to need your help and your honest feedback on what you want and what you need. And again, I'm so grateful to our friends at a a ACB. Uh, you guys are a great organization that we're very proud to be a supporter of. And I thank you so much for your attention today. me multitasking. I was only doing three things at one time. Let's see. Sorry for the rattle. There we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Somebody left their notepad up here. It's quite nice. It could be Margarine's. could be Zach's. I've got the corporate secrets right here. <laughs> Just, <laughs> that's right. Um, all right. So, our our next um, Ruby sponsor presentation comes from Adobe Systems. We have with us today Matt May, who is the Senior Program Manager for Accessibility at Adobe Systems from Seattle, Washington. Matt. Thank you, and uh, it's, it's great to finally be here. Uh, I, uh, so I wanted to start by, by giving you a little history. Uh, Adobe has been sponsoring uh, ACB for several years now, and I want to apologize because this is the first time that I am actually attending ACB, but I have a really good excuse. Uh, about uh, around the time that I went from being Adobe's uh, accessibility engineer to Adobe's accessibility evangelist uh, was when Adobe gave us all the week of the 4th of July off. So that's made it a little difficult for me to come in to, uh, to, to attend the, these conferences. But uh, fast forward to today, we have a team that is substantially larger than it used to be. And one of the product managers on my team, Rob Haverty, who is in the audience today, said, so who's going to, to, uh, to ACB this year? And the, uh, the answer was, I guess we are. So, <laughs> so I'm glad that I can finally actually attend here. So we, we, we have grown a lot uh, at Adobe Accessibility uh, from from the time 10 years ago when I was the only engineer working on accessibility for the entire company. Um, 
to now having a team of accessibility engineers, a team of accessibility product managers that work across the company, uh, describing, discussing accessibility, evangelizing accessibility to, uh, to, to our audiences in, internally, uh, and to reach out into the community to uh, sort of talk about our products, hear from you, hear, from what you, uh, hear about what you want to be able to, to do with Adobe products. Uh, and one of the biggest things that, we have, that we've done at Adobe is pushing into, uh, into education and training. Uh, we have done a PDF train the trainer program for uh, professionals who are PDF trainers so that they can understand how to do PDF accessibility well, how they can teach it to other people so that it becomes more and more prevalent in the, in, in the world. Uh, we have also created what we call the Blue Belt program inside Adobe. And uh, in this program, we take the engineers at, at our company and we put them through their paces on, on accessibility. We put them in front of screen readers, in front of magnifiers, uh, in front of uh, all of the technology that, uh, that, that they might encounter on an everyday basis. Uh, we have done this program in San Jose, in Basel, Switzerland, in Bangalore and Noida, India, and in uh, Lehigh, Utah in, uh, since February of this year, and we're going to continue doing that in Seattle and San Francisco, and hopefully if I can get to Romania, we'll do it there too. Uh, but the, the idea is that everybody needs to know a little bit about accessibility when they're developing their, their software, in addition to those of us who, who know a little bit more. So we are expanding that knowledge of accessibility into our product teams, and we are leaving them with the responsibility to make sure that the job gets done. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but the, um, the, the, uh, with that training comes a lot of new curriculum that we can share with the, with the community. And so you've heard about Teach Access from a couple of people yesterday. Uh, it is an initiative to, to drive that education so that we can get the people that we need to be building the software that helps people the most. Uh, and so we have done the, we're, we're part of the hiring initiative, so we have accessibility as part of the job descriptions for our engineering and design career paths. Uh, we have also been working on the curriculum with Teach Access and contributed some of that Blue Belt curriculum to them. And we are working on training computer science professors and, and other educators in higher education to add accessibility as a part of their everyday curriculum. So, yes, we have, we have a lot of members of, of Teach Access in the, in the audience here. So the, um, Oh, the ACB organizationally too. Yes. Okay. So um, we are. Uh, you know, we think that this is that this is critically important because we need to be doing this. For you know, we need this to just be a part of what people understand what what it is to be a professional in the community, and we're we're proud to be to, to be helping to to drive that. Okay. I'll I'll get a little closer to the mic. Uh, so um, we. It, we're working into we're working these into the into the products that we're uh, that we're building, and uh, I'll I'll talk about some of the the, the lesser known ones that we that, that we're working with before I get into the one that you've all heard of. Um, the first off, InDesign. 
which is a, a major product for creating uh, for creating uh, text documents. Uh, so newspapers, magazines built using using InDesign, and we've made this e easier for the people to create a template that is accessible by uh, by default, so that each edition just inherits the accessibility of the of the product before it. Um, we have a product called uh, Adobe Premiere, which is uh, extremely popular in the video production space. Uh, and in addition to the uh, you know, captioning support, we also are using uh, the, the secondary audio channels for audio description. So that is another, uh, another way that we, that, that we aid accessibility in, in production. Another one that you might not have heard of, though, is Primetime. And it's one that you've probably used if you have a cable subscription that you have to log into. That is actually Adobe software that's running behind that. So a lot of the, the, the video uh, production and some of the, the, the players are actually running our technology as well. So uh, finally, I want to talk about uh, Acrobat and PDF because we're going to be talking a little bit more about this in the, in the near future, uh, as, as in this afternoon. Uh, and we want to talk about uh, the, the mobile case because Acrobat on, on mobile is improving in leaps and bounds. So on the, the latest version on iOS and Android has substantially improved support for assistive technology. Uh, so we are working to make it a lot easier in the, in the everyday uh, user scenarios around, around PDF to be able to access this. And on the desktop and in the production of this, we're trying to make this easier and more automatic for people to be creating this so that it's not just a picture of some text like it used to be. Um, so that tagging and the, and the accessibility functionality is getting built in more and more into, into the product. And to give you a kind of preview of what we're, what we're doing here, there is a new product called Adobe Scan. And what it does is it will allow people to take a picture of a piece of paper, which will then get uploaded to our servers, automatically OCR'd, and then saved into your document cloud. So this is going to be a very powerful technology, and we're not all there yet, but we're working, we're getting very close to, to the point where you'd be able to just scan a piece of, uh, of, paper, of paper, and you'll be back to sort of where Kurzweil was in 1978. But uh, we're, we're getting there. We are working on, on this, and the, the, the capabilities and machine learning and, and working in the cloud is going to make things a lot better for accessibility uh, in general. So um, to close, I want to say you know, just thank you for, for, for having us here. We are happy to, to be around. Um, the, uh, we have a Twitter account at Adobe Access for you to follow, and we'll, we'll give you the information of what we're doing here. We have a presentation uh, to the BITS group uh, this, this afternoon, and um, we are going to be uh, sitting down in, uh, for feedback on Tuesday and Wednesday afternoon in the BITS hospitality suite. So again, thank you very much. All right, we have one more sponsor presentation to hear from today. It's one of our Double Diamond sponsors that wasn't available last night to speak to us, so she's here today. We have Shanna Jatho from Vanda Pharmaceuticals. Shanna. Thank you. Hi, nice, nice to, to meet, meet you. you. <laughs> Raise this up a little bit here. Good morning, ACB members. Happy early 4th of July. 
Yay, yes. Um, my name is Shawna Jatho. I'm a registered nurse with Vanda Pharmaceuticals. Also have Jamal, my counterpart here today, who's an account manager with Vanda. So each of us are here to support and educate each of you more on the condition non-24. It's a circadian rhythm, sleep-wake disorder. We refer to it as non-24 for short, just because of the, the long term there. Um, so Vanda Pharmaceutical has done extensive research on this condition to help members of our blind community across the United States. And our role here today is to provide you some brief education um, and answer any questions that you have regarding non-24. Our goal is to help to increase the awareness to each of you, to where you can share this with family members, friends, even your doctors, uh, to help to increase the awareness of non-24. Many of you may have heard our commercials or possibly heard one of our presentations. Um, I personally go to more local group um, chapter meetings and at state level to further educate um, on a um, more local level there. So non-24, the three main symptoms are the inability to fall asleep at night, difficulty falling asleep at night, difficulty maintaining that sleep at night, and taking frequent naps or feeling really drowsy during the day, the three main symptoms. So I'm sure to appreciate if you have those difficulties, how greatly that can impact your quality of life. You know, whether it's school or work, quality time with friends, family, social activities, um, if you have a disturbance in your sleep pattern, it may be due to non-24. And just know that there is help and there's support out there for you. So just to give a little brief overview, and we can talk further if you want to come up to our booth. I believe it's number 52, if I remember right. And then we can talk a little bit further and go into some more detail for you. Um, but each of us have a circadian rhythm. It's located in our brain. And the lay term for that is our master body clock. And one of the functions of our master body clock is to control our sleep and wake pattern. And we process this through light. So the light is processed through our eyes and going back to our master body clock so that our body can sense and tell us when it's time to start waking up and going to sleep. So our circadian rhythm, it's a biological rhythm. So biological meaning that's happened inside of our body, and it lasts approximately 24 hours. So our clocks follow that strict 24-hour pattern. Um, our body's own internal body clocks tend to run a, usually a little bit longer than the 24-hour cycle. So what each of us have and what each of us need is a daily signal from the external environment to keep us sleeping and waking at the right time. And light, mainly light from our sun, is the primary resetting tool so that we would have that routine sleep and wake pattern. So individuals who are either totally blind and also low vision individuals are at heightened risk of developing this condition because of not being able to capture enough or any of this light input to reset our master body clock to have it in sync with the 24-hour day. So if we don't have enough or any of this light input, what happens is our master body clock runs on its own time. So what happens is our body starts shifting 
a little later and later as far as when our body's getting sleepy. So you may follow that pattern or it may be pretty erratic or inconsistent, but that goes with the first two symptoms of non-24, that difficulty falling asleep and difficulty maintaining that sleep. Some individuals will tell me that once they fall asleep, they may have a good sleep for an hour, a few hours, and they're wide awake in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep. Or others say they can eventually get back to sleep. Um, but having that disrupted or erratic sleeping pattern, that's the two main symptoms there of non-24. So again, being that we're not able to process this light input, our circadian rhythm is continuing to shift. So eventually our bodies are going to be on a completely opposite cycle. So that leads to the third main symptom of difficulty staying awake or taking frequent naps during the day. Because if you think about our bodies shifting and on a completely opposite cycle, let's say it's 11 o'clock in the afternoon, but our body's on a completely opposite cycle, our body may think it's 11 o'clock at night. So you have that overwhelming urge to sleep at the wrong time. So that gives you a little brief synopsis there about circadian rhythm. You're welcome to come and chat with Jamal or I after, and we can go into a little bit more deeper discussion for you there. But just some quick facts about non-24. Non-24 can happen at any age in both men and women equally. The symptoms of non-24 are generally first noticed about the time an individual loses their sight. And then research has suggested that up to 70% of individuals who are totally blind may have non-24 because of not being able to receive enough or any of this light input. Uh, so part of our big role in increasing the awareness is that 70% is an extremely high number. Only about 1% actually get the correct diagnosis. So that's why us as nurses are out in your local communities uh, to give a little bit more in-depth presentation to help to increase the awareness. And Jamal, as an account manager, is there to support and educate each of the doctors in your community um, to where we can help to get the word out and let everybody else know there is hope for individuals who have this disrupted sleeping pattern and linking it to individuals who are either totally blind or low vision may be related there. Also, big difference from insomnia and narcolepsy versus non-24 that we can go into a little further detail and talk to you about the differences there too. So the main takeaway is the three symptoms, the difficulty falling asleep at night, difficulty maintaining that sleep, and taking frequent naps or feeling drowsy during the day. And I do like to make the point that each of us are different as far as how it impacts our life. You know, but if you do, like I said, have, um, you know, work, um, school, quality time with family, friends, whatever's important to you, if you feel like your sleep habits are extremely frustrating and difficult to maintain a good quality of life, there is help out there through us, through Vanda. There is a treatment for this condition. Um, during our presentations here, we like to be, have this completely separate. 
um, to where we can educate you here today on the condition non-24. But I know we've helped several members yesterday um, getting them set up with what we call our health educator. So you would be set up with a personal health educator in the city that you live in um, where they would have phone conversation with you to where you can better understand non-24 if it's just that you want to learn more about it or if you or someone you know may have symptoms, um, then we can help to take it to the next step as far as having our account manager there in your local area educate your doctor on the condition. And if you choose to take it a step further and do want treatment, that there is help out there for each of you. Um, so we can talk further, too, at our booth um, with the health educator services more. So I look forward to meeting many of you. Um, I know myself as a nurse, um, I really like to hear each of your stories and how it's impacted your life. And those who shared it yesterday, I really appreciate that. Thank you all. Thank you, Vanda, very much. All right, we have some business con to conduct. I'm going to recognize um, Ray Campbell to uh, call um, some affiliates for some additional information. And while he's doing that, um, John Huffman will come to the podium for the credentials, final credentials report. All right. Good morning. All right. Um, I have several affiliate issues that we need. We have several affiliate issues we need to hopefully get resolved this morning. First thing I'm going to do is I have three affiliates that did not answer roll call last evening that I need to call. If they do not answer roll call this morning, they will not be called the remainder of the convention. So here we go. American Council of the Blind of Colorado, two votes. ACB of Colorado, two votes. ACB of Colorado, two votes. Colorado will not be called the remainder of the convention. Okay, okay next one. Let me get down to it. Okay, the second, next one that did not answer roll call last evening. Vermont Council of the Blind, um, two votes. Vermont Council of the Blind, two votes. And for a third and final time, Vermont Council of the Blind, two votes. Vermont will not be called the remain, remainder of this convention. Okay, and the third one is, let me, me uh, find them real quick. Okay, the third one that did not answer roll call last night, and I was actually spoken to about this, so I knew this was a possibility, and did not recall. It was late last night, and my fingers were cold. ACB Radio Amateurs, and one vote. Are, and we are here. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> uh, I am Mike Duke, and uh, I can relate to the cold fingers. Um, ACB <laughs> <clears throat> Radio Amateurs will have as, as its delegate Harvey Hege. As uh, its nominating committee person, Mike Duke. And we will name an alternate later in the week. Uh, I can temporarily serve as that, but I'll have to change that later in the week because I won't be here on Thursday. So put me down as the alternate for right now. Um, who was the alternate? I'm sorry. Me, Mike Duke. Mike Duke I, is also the alternate. Do we, does, ACBRA, does ACBRA need any chairs? No, we do not. We will sit with our state delegations. Okay. 
So for ACB Radio Amateurs, Harvey Hagee is the delegate. Mike Duke is the alternate. Um, Mike Duke will go to the nominating committee, and they do not need any seats. That is correct. Mr. Okay. Secretary. Um, yes, uh, um, I, I was going to get to that. Uh, hold, hold, your, hold your horses just a second, Mitch. Very good. Okay. So those are the three affiliates that did not answer roll call, so we've taken care of that. Now we have affiliates that had delegate issues or you know, did not report alternate delegates, that kind of thing. Uh, so we're going to go in order here. And the first one I have is, uh, get down. Okay, North Carolina Council of the Blind uh, did not report an alternate delegate. Alan, do you have one? Okay, so North Carolina is not going to have an alternate delegate. You're not required to have one in everything I've seen in the Constitution. Um, so just make sure your delegates, the delegates here. So that would be important. Uh, the next one that had an issue. Mr. Secretary, I have a correction for Louisiana. Is there any way I, we can make that correction? Uh, sure, we can do it. Let me find you. Okay. Uh, I've got you, Kim. Go ahead. Okay. Um, for our nominating committee, okay. it will be Teresa Curry. Okay. Okay. I, Everything else stay the same. That's an easy one. I can just copy and paste. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Okay. Let me go back to what I was doing here. Uh, the next one that had an issue. Okay. The next one that had an issue was America. American Council, ACB Visually Impaired, or American Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys. Um, we had a, there was an issue because the person you wanted as your uh, alternate was also, was already a delegate somewhere else. And so, Chris, do you have an alternate delegate to uh, provide at this time? Uh, attorneys, do you have an alternate delegate? And for a third and final time. Okay, okay. I had to go all the way to Nebraska to find a, you know, find a microphone. <laughs> I will defer. Uh, we'll just go without one. I'll be here all week, so we'll we'll just go without an alternate. Okay. So ACB attorneys is not or AAVIA is not going to have. What, what the heck am I calling you, ACB attorney? Hey, I'm doing something. Who's that? Oh, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> hold 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 the floor, guys. Jeff Tom speaking to me up here. Hold on. Okay, what, Je what, what, uh, what Jeff Tom is telling me is that um, it's the attorney's plan to, at this time, we're going to record them with no alternate delegate. Uh, that may change later in the week, and if, it's the, if the convention's okay with that, um, we will um, go ahead, and if they, if they do appoint somebody later in the week, we'll let them uh, name that at, that at that time. Is that okay with the convention? Okay, by consensus, sounds good. The third affiliate that did not report an alternate is um, ACB Families. Um, Jeff Tom is their delegate, and Leslie's their nominating person. Does ACB Families have an alternate delegate? ACB Families, I'm being told by Jeff Tom sitting up here to my right, they did not have an alternate delegate. Okay. Let me get the next one. Okay, the, the, sec the, next, the, the second one, or next one, 
is uh, Ivy. Uh, Independent visually impaired entrepreneurs did not report an alternate delegate last night. Do you have one? No. Okay, you don't have one either. And finally, uh, Library Users of America did not uh, give an alternate delegate last Library night. Library Users of America will proceed without an alternate. Okay. So, okay, and then Mitch, uh, I know what you're going to say, so go ahead with it. Yeah, you kind of threw me a curve last night. <clears throat> and, and we now have um, a change in our nominating committee representative. That individual will be Lion June Lenk, L-E-N-K. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mitch. I, uh, of course, spoke to June and already wrote that down, so... Thank you. Are there any other affiliates that need to make any corrections? Yes. Okay. And who is this? This is Rick Coolman with the Nevada Council of the Blind. And let me find you. Okay, Rick, go ahead. Unfortunately, our delegate had to have emergency surgery, is not here, so oh, no. the delegate will now be the alternate, which is myself, Rick Coolman. And Bill Powers. Bill Powers will be the alternate. Okay, so it's it's Bill Powers standard spelling. Yes. And Rick, you're still going to nominating. Yes. Okay. So for the Nevada Council of the Blind, the changes. Rick Colmey is now their delegate. Bill Powers is their alternate, and Rick Colmey is going to the nominating committee. Thank you. Okay. Any other affiliate changes at this time? Mr. Secretary. Okay. Pat, <laughs> Pat Sheehan. You, go ahead. I have a question concerning Delaware and, sure. and, and George Holliday mm -hmm. being the, the delegate and alternate for Delaware. Right. Now, he resides in Pennsylvania, and I understand that Delaware asked him to represent them. He is a member we, of theirs. Of Delaware? Yes, he is, a, he is a member of Delaware. Is that correct, George? Yes. Was, was that your question, Patrick? Okay, go ahead, go ahead with your question then. I'm sorry. I thought that's where you were going. He, he go can't ahead. serve as, as delegate for Delaware and alternate for Pennsylvania. Okay, the reason, the reason that that's okay, there is a provision, and I'll ask John Huffman to uh, clarify or Alicia or someone, but... The reason that that's allowed in this case is he is the only person from Delaware that is here. But he's not the only person from Pennsylvania. Ah, good point. Good point. Yes. Good point. And, and Mr. Uh, that, that is correct. Uh, the, the, the bylaws say basically that you can represent <laughs> more than one affiliate if you are the only, if, if you are the only person present for both. Ah, uh, you're, I'm busted, guys. <laughs> so I, I should have brought it up last night, but I didn't, but uh, that's okay. other people and, are um, on top of this. So Pennsylvania, you need to appoint another alternate delegate because George is doing it for Delaware. So go ahead and, um, go ahead and consult and discuss that, and you can report that out. Um, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll take... Uh, I'll, I'll look for more affiliate uh, changes right after the break before I send this off to Sharon for nominating. Uh, but um, go ahead and consult, and if you can report that right after break, that would be great. Okay? Thank you, Ray. Thank you. And, and thank you for catching it. I appreciate it. Okay, who else wants the Mr. floor? Mr. Chair. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, George Holiday. Yes, sir. Pennsylvania will not have an alternate at this time. They will announce it later on in the week. Okay, so you let me uh, let me get back down to you. I got it. Um, let me click that. Are there any other affiliate changes at this time? Okay, thank you. Thank you, Madam President. You have heard the review of the uh, status of credentials for the convention. Uh, other than what you have heard, I have nothing else to add. Uh, if I may, I would like to take a minute to recognize uh, our committee members. Uh, John McCann, Ray Campbell, Ralph Smitherman, Kathy Brockman, uh, George Holliday, Pat Sheehan, and we have, as so frequently, again, been blessed by the dedication and hard work of Sharon Lovering, and all of these people deserve your applause. Now, if I may, uh, unless, there is another, unless there's another plan to do this, I could inform you of, the, of who will be the recipients of the Affiliate Growth Award. Well, I'm told, somebody, I'm, told, I'm told somebody else will be doing that later, and that's fine with me because I was afraid this was about to turn into the John Huffman show. <laughs> and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But I would like to conclude, if I can find it here, with a motion that we frequently make, that we always make, uh, in order to um, bring the credentials report to a conclusion. And the motion is as follows. On behalf of the, the credentials committee, I move that the affiliate votes verified by the secretary uh, last evening and with uh, some further adjustments this morning, together with any amendments thereto, and those ACB members currently um, registered and certified shall constitute the voting body for ACB business meetings. And uh, I place, if there is a second, uh, it has been moved and seconded. Thank you. I'm sort of doing your job. <laughs> I've been in that situation too often. Uh, is there any discussion? Hearing none? Go ahead. Hearing none? He's got the mic, so we're going to let him roll with this. I could, I, I'd move if she told me or <laughs> bumped me out of the way. Uh, it has been moved and seconded, uh, as stated above, that the uh, votes certified and the individual members present constitute the uh, voting body for the association. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed say no. The motion is carried. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, John, and the Credentials Committee. John, for pinch hitting as interim chair and delivering the report into the members of the committee for their hard work.
Madam President. Please identify yourself. Mitch Pomerantz. Oh, it I'm sorry. Sound, Who uh, are that's you? That's all right. <laughs> that's going to... I have adopted a pet frog for the week. Um, given that um, the programs, I think, have just arrived, I'm not sure... I was going to make an announcement about that. Well, I, I want to know, because uh -huh. I, I suspect... There may be a lot of folks who will be coming to nominating committee tonight who don't know where it is. Okay. Um, would you like me to announce that now? I will not be here at 10 o'clock right. we'll, when we take a we'll break. We'll let you do that, and then I want to move on to the adoption of the standing rules. So please go ahead with that All information right. for nominating committee Thank delegates. You. Nominating committee this evening only for representatives of their state or special interest affiliates will take place at 545 sharp, and you know I'm a time monster, uh, in Ponderosa B, as in boy. Uh, I'm not sure what floor that's on. If second. second floor. All right. East end. East Ponderosa tower. B, second floor, and what did you say, east? East tower, yeah. East tower. 545, be there or be embarrassed by your affiliate. <laughs> Thank you, Mitch. All right. Um, first of all, regarding the adoption of the standing rules and the program, um, there have been no changes to our standing rules that we operate by. They are included in the program. The Braille programs have arrived. Um, thank you to the um, determined, dogged um, pestering of Nancy Becker, Lane Waters, and Janet Dickelman. Um, they got them here, not when we expected, and you can be assured we are not happy with the freight company that delivered them, and there will be, there will be some restitution to our bill to make for uh, compensation for making it late. So um, you can pick up a Braille program package at the um, volunteer desk area. They will be available um, out there for the rest of the morning, and then they'll probably relocate to um, the registration area. So regarding adoption of the standing rules and the program, a motion is in order. So moved. If there's someone asking for the floor, please find nope. a microphone. I move adoption of the standing rules and program. Thank you. I heard several voices moving adoption of the standing rules and program. Is there any point of information? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Thank oh, yeah. you. We had many seconds. Many seconds. So that was all taken care of. Thank Madam you very President. much. I think I'm recognizing Brian. I think I know. You are. Okay. And I'm going to say something that I'm sure everybody in the room would support me on. Could we do something about the heat in this room? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to task that to Eric and the convention coordinator to Last see if they can... Last night was intolerable. This morning they is can, only bearable. Uh, make adjustments for us before we turn into little ice cubes. Thank you. I feel like it's, a side uh, of meat. It's, it's, being, uh, it's being taken care of as we speak, so... Um, the order of ACB blankets will not arrive until Friday, so we need to make adjustments. <laughs> so. We need to utilize some of these dogs for warmth. That's right. <laughs> All right. 
Um, it's now my pleasure to introduce our presiding officer of the day. Um, we have one of the officers manage the podium. I get to sit back and relax a little bit for a few moments. And uh, I really want to acknowledge and thank a gentleman who's been my right-hand man for the last four years as first vice president, and he will be stepping down from that position at the end of the convention. So, Jeff, it's been a privilege and an honor to work with you in the role of first vice president, and I'm looking forward to other ways that we can continue to work together in the future. So thank you, and I turn the podium over to Jeff Tom. Let's give him a round of applause for his service. Okay, so I didn't realize when I was going to be presiding for the last time on the stage that it would be from northern Alaska, <laughs> but uh, that's okay. I like Alaska, so just, just so you know, I do. So our first speaker of the day, I want to be a little more audience participation here. How many of you in your daily lives use assistive technology? Yeah, well, that's not surprising, is it? So we are pleased to have with us today Tom Tiernan, CEO of VFO Group. Now, Tom has extensive experience in the technology world, having led several global technology businesses. He uh, received his Bachelor of Sciences degree in electrical engineering from Caltech. That's a famous university for his field. And he got an um, advanced degree from um, his master's in computer engineering from Santa Clara University. I had the most ex stressful experience of my life taking the bar on, at Santa Clara University, so that's a beautiful campus. Um, the VFO group um, plays a, such an important part in, in so many of the things that we are a part of. Their brands include the Posiello Group, um, JAWS for Windows, AI Squared and others, so uh, Freedom Scientific, I should say. So let's hear it for the CEO of the VFO Group, Tom Tiernan. Tom? me okay? No? How about now? Okay. Well, that was the first time um, I had the, the, the pleasure of being introduced as a graduate of, uh, was it Caltech or MIT? Wow. I, I wish I was that smart. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, you know, that's, uh, yeah, fake news, right? Yeah. So um, I, I actually, I, 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 I'll take it. Let me tell you. Yeah. No, I, I actually grew up in in uh, California, and I, I went to a state school there called Cal Poly for my undergraduate, and then uh, and then Santa Clara. 
It's a great school, yeah. We, uh, I enjoyed it. But we, we had guys from uh, Caltech as our professors, right? So we were, we, that, that was our position in the world. So, so um, thanks uh, uh, to ACB for inviting us to, to speak here uh, today. We really appreciate it. Um, I've been with uh, VFO for almost a year now. I, I joined uh, in middle of August last year. Uh, it's, been, it's been a wonderful experience. Um, my, uh, uh, I had known um, uh, the investors in, in uh, the VFO group for quite a number of years, and they called me uh, one day, and they say, Hey, Tom, we've got this really interesting... Uh, set of companies that we'd like you to take a look at and frankly they said it's in the it's in the assistive technology area honestly speaking I had never heard of what assistive technology was at that point in time so I asked them well what is this all about and they said oh it's it's uh, technology to help uh, visually impaired uh, interact with technology with with uh, technology in the world and it turns out my grandfather uh, was blind my uh, my father and his sister, my aunt, are are uh, very low vision, and so it kind of caught my attention. And I, I looked at it, and uh, I was really uh, uh, com you know impressed, and uh, felt very compelled to to join the company. I've, I've, I've never looked back. It's been a wonderful experience. So uh, today, um, before we get into the, the the products that you'll be seeing from the company today. Um, I thought I'd just give you kind of an overview of who VFO is um, and where we're going. What's, you know, what are we investing in? Where, where are we uh, taking this technology over time? And after I give you the overview, I'll, I'll ask Richard Tapping, who's our uh, general manager for the North America business, to kind of double-click and give you a sense of uh, what we have to show you uh, during the show. So... The VFO Group is, is a collection of, uh, we think, well-known brands in, in the AT area. Uh, our exclusive focus is on improving access to technology for those with visually, visual impairments, and we do that around the world. Some examples of our brands uh, that you may know, um, Jeff had mentioned them earlier, uh, Freedom Scientific's JAWS screen reader uh, program. Uh, in application, uh, AI squared zoom text uh, screen uh, magnifier uh, application. Uh, those are two of our most well-known software uh, applications. Uh, a, a number of different um, uh, brands in the assistive uh, technology hardware space, uh, Optilex uh, compact uh, electronic handheld magnifiers, uh, Freedom Scientific's Ruby, uh, uh, electronic handheld magnifiers, our Braille displays uh, with our Focus uh, series, and many others. Um, as a company, uh, broadly speaking, we're investing in three uh, key areas. One is product innovation. I view this as a high-tech technology company, and so our mission is to really push the envelope on innovation uh, to bring new uh, interesting, compelling technologies uh, to the marketplace. We'll, we'll speak more about that later. But one of the ones that we're, we're showing during this ACB convention is called L-Braille. So think about that as a handheld, portable, wirelessly enabled Windows 10 computer that comes in the form of a docking station for our Focus Braille display line. 
So you essentially get your, your Windows 10 desktop experience in a portable form factor that you can take anywhere, anytime. It's, it's really interesting, really compelling. The second uh, area we're investing in is uh, customer experience. Uh, with the scale uh, of the company uh, around the world now, I think we're represented in somewhere around 80 or 90 uh, countries. Um, we're investing uh, 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 big time in, in customer support, uh, technical support, making sure uh, our technical support teams are as uh, customer-centric and responsive and available um, uh, around uh, the clock. Uh, we're investing in our web stores. I think our most recent Freedom Scientific web store went live uh, over the past week or two. Uh, and then the third area, which, which we view as very, very interesting uh, development in the market, is in the whole area of website and application accessibility. About eight weeks ago, we uh, purchased a company called the Paziello Group, otherwise known as TPG. Uh, They're one of the three uh, main players in website and application accessibility. They have the, we think, the best brand uh, in the market. And what think of them as a, a consultative enterprise uh, solution selling organization to commercial companies around the world. They're all focused on working with these organizations to fundamentally at the infrastructure level to make sure that the websites are designed and the applications are designed from the ground up to be compliant with the standards that exist in the industry to work with assistive technologies in a, in a smooth, uh, streamlined way. And so we're really excited about uh, that acquisition. Uh, we, really think it, we really think it fills out the value proposition uh, for the company. And you'll see more on that in the future. Um, the company VFO is all about expanding access uh, to those with visual impairments. And I can give you a few examples that we've been working on over the past, oh, four to eight quarters or so, past couple of years. Uh, one has been working with uh, governments um, in countries to provide countrywide licenses to our uh, software applications, JAWS, uh, ZoomText, Magic, those kind of products. Uh, we've, we've closed uh, deals with uh, Colombia, uh, most recently uh, through the ONCE organization in Spain for countrywide licenses uh, for the, the visually impaired community. We've been working in the U.S. Uh, with some large uh, consumer-oriented retail organizations to uh, provide uh, JAWS capability and client-facing uh, branches and, and services. So the biggest example of that would be uh, Wells Fargo with their consumer banking division. I think we've installed JAWS on terminals in something like 6,000 uh, branches uh, throughout the U.S., uh, which, is, which is pretty impressive. Um, along the same lines as any... I've never done this. Has anybody been on a Carnival cruise line? Yeah? So you can now find Jaws in Carnival, on the ships in Carnival <laughs> cruise lines, yeah? Um, Marriott Hotels would be another one in terms of deploying the technology in, in the hotels they have around the world. Uh, another example is really expanding access of the technology to students, okay? 
and we've partnered with APH on their K through 12 program, utilizing the federal quota uh, uh, program. Uh, we recently uh, partnered with uh, CUNY University, the city of New York um, universities. I think it's uh, something like 25 or 30 campuses around in New York, servicing well over 100,000 students, faculty, and staff, where we are able to provide both JAWS and ZoomText licenses for use on campus and at home. Um, so, so those are examples of us really trying to expand the footprint of where the technology exists. There, there is a lot of interesting developments going on in the market right now um, at the broad ecosystem level. If you look at uh, the investments that very large companies such as Google and Microsoft, uh, even Facebook and the, and the like, are doing in things, uh, in things areas like com conversational computing, um, uh, computer vision, object recognition, those you know, artificial intelligence and, and deep learning, um, those technologies are, are incredibly compelling, we think, to, to the assistive technology space. And we think over time, um, the, the level of advancement and, and capability that you'll be able to see in these uh, applications and devices is, is truly going to be impressive. So with that, what I'd like to do, if it's okay with, with uh, everybody here, is hand it off to uh, Richard Tapping, who can then go through some of our new products and, and where we're going with them. And we invite you to stop by our, our booth um, in, the, in the main hall and, um, and see, and we can demo the, the technology for you and uh, be happy to, to answer any questions you may have. Uh, Richard? Thank you, Tom. So my name is Richard Tapping. I'm VP of Sales for VFO, uh, covering North America. I have worked for the company six years, and I'm pleased to see some familiar faces around here now, um, having been with the company for a long time. So very enjoy, uh, most enjoy coming to the ACB conference in particular. Now, at this conference, I'm very excited to, to say that we will be uh, showcasing for the first time uh, two or three different technologies uh, at the show. So those will be unveiled this morning once uh, it opens. And I'm going to touch upon uh, some of the products that, uh, long-standing products that, were, that, that uh, Freedom Scientific and others have been working on, on previously, but also some products and developments that are, are as a direct result of the mergers of the companies coming together. So we're starting to see that upside come to fruition in the technologies and products. Um, so... Uh, JAWS 18, of course, uh, current, uh, was released in uh, last October, uh, like clockwork, of course. Um, every year we come out with uh, a new version of JAWS. Um, one of the, the highlights uh, that, we've been, that I want to share, one of the things we've been working on, of course, is um, the, the, the JAWS and ZoomText uh, compatibility. You know, one of the things that, are, that I routinely faced before the mergers uh, in this market was folks using both JAWS and wanting to use ZoomText as well. And, of course, there was compatibility issues. Well, one of the benefits of uh, the companies coming together now is uh, since, I think, July last year, uh, these are the types of things they've been working on. And now with the release of ZoomText 11, uh, we have uh, uh, complete uh, compatibility 
uh, between uh, Zoom Text and JAWS. So that's a real, real good advantage now. Um, JAWS, yeah, yeah. Uh, JAWS 19, I'm going to skip through some of these, but JAWS 19, look out for some developments over the next couple of months. Um, we've got uh, a whole bunch of improvements, as you would expect, in things like Edge, uh, Office Apps, Google Docs. Uh, we have uh, been working with Microsoft and Google extensively over you know, many years now. Um, so that's, that's great. And the um, expected uh, enhancements within JAWS that will come uh, with the release of JAWS 19 will be to uh, expand the OCR capabilities of JAWS directly. Um, so look out for that. That's a bit of a teaser for some technologies that's coming out in JAWS 19. Um, but that, that, that will be very exciting. Uh, ZoomText, as I mentioned, ZoomText 11 was released in January this year. Uh, we anticipate bringing ZoomText into a more regular uh, update and releases uh, with respect to things like SMAs. Uh, so we'll keep it very current, um, keep it um, on the edge of the uh, advancements in terms of compatibility and, and capabilities in terms of its feature sets. Um, and one of my favorites I want to highlight is Smart Invert. Um, so anybody that uses a screen magnification program and uses Color Invert will be probably as frustrated as I am when you see that it doesn't just invert text, it inverts all the photos and images and everything else, and it makes it a bit of a mess. Well, one of the developments that we'll see, um, that we have seen, is smart invert. So now we can view photos in their natural colors when inverting the screen colors or brightness. So ZoomText will invert the text, but it will leave the photos in their natural state, which I think is just a, 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 a great feature. Um, Fusion. This uh, Fusion uh, was a product that was uh, initially released by uh, AI Squared. And again, as a result of the merger between um, uh, AI Squared and VFO, uh, we worked on developing uh, Fusion 11 that was going to be powered by JAWS. So that has now been released as of May. Um, and it's the perfect solution. This is a type of stuff that, as Tom was referring to, Cooney. So Fusion is a great product for uh, organizations, um, schools, universities, who want to provide a broad set of access uh, within one suite of products. So it doesn't matter you know, who's walking up to a particular station or computer. Um, we know that we're going to be able to accommodate uh, with a program that uh, gives access to all. So. We're very excited about the, the fusion developments that, that have come along. Blindness hardware. So I can barely contain myself when I talk about some of these products that we've got coming out. Um, Tom touched upon it a little earlier, the L Braille. Um, this has been a product that has been on the horizon now for some time as we've uh, finished and continue to develop this product. Um, I'm pleased to say that we are unveiling this product at ACB this week in terms of shippable product. Uh, yesterday, we were overwhelmed with interest. Um, we've actually started taking orders on, on that yesterday, and I believe a couple of you may even have the new products in your hand today. So that's uh, that's very exciting development. We do have, if you're, if you're not familiar with the L Braille and you would like to get some hands-on, we've actually got some dedicated staff, actually a dedicated area in the exhibit hall where we've got two trainers 
Uh, Ron Miller, some of you may be familiar with that name. He's actually in the booth giving training on the L Braille, so you, be, you can become more familiar with the device and its capabilities. But it's a very, uh, very exciting product, and it's the first really in the industry in terms of a Windows 10 note taker. Um, let me see here. On the subject of Braille, um, we've had numerous developments over the last few years really as Freedom Scientific, both in terms of the technology but also driving the cost down. Um, I think just before I arrived at Freedom Scientific, I think six years ago, there was a, an effort by Freedom Scientific to try and drive the cost of Braille down. Um, and from what I remember, I think Braille display, a 40 cell Braille display back then was, I don't know, a region of 5,500 bucks, something like that. Um, well, Freedom Scientific, uh, kind of went to work on that and tried to drive the cost down and they introduced the 40 cell braille display at $2,800 so almost having the cost of, a, of braille technology we've, we've got some recent developments again where we've got a brand new focus generation 5 braille display that we are again showcasing here at ACB for the very first time um, it's a, a very robust, rugged braille display. Um, one of the first that, to be certified as MIL specification. I've got the MIL spec for the, for the geeks in the room. It's MIL spec standard 810G. So this thing is a serious piece of equipment. Um, and I think uh, once you get your hands on it, you're going to really like the smooth and, and, and quiet feel of that braille display. Um, now, what we've, what we've also done at the same time is to say, well, Let's find some improvements in the manufacturing process, drive down cost of the existing technology, and pass that through to our consumers. So the Focus, 5 uh, the Focus 40 Generation 5 Braille Display uh, will be introduced, and at the same time, we have reduced the price of the Focus 40 Blue Generation 4 from $27.95 to $24.95, and we've uh, lowered the price of the 14-cell Braille Display. This is the uh, Braille Display that slots into that new L Braille system uh, from $12.95 to $9.95. And the show specials that we are extending through uh, ACB conference means that you can get a further 20% off those pricing. So now you're looking at a Focus 14 Braille display for $795. That's serious stuff. So low vision hardware. We've got, again, I've got a whole pages of uh, product developments here. I'm going to try and get through them as quickly as I can, but I'm just going to touch on some further highlights for low vision hardware. Um, some of these are as a direct result of the mergers. So these are now consumers seeing the benefit of these organizations to coming together and really using their combined muscle to drive this technology forward and make it affordable. Um, the, the Freedom Scientific branded Onyx uh, death set uh, three-in-one video magnifier, some of you are probably very familiar with that, um, was merged or coupled with the technology, the, the u, uh, user interface technology of the Clearview, the Optelec Clearview with speech. So now what you have is a combined uh, video magnifier that has three-in-one capability, distance, document, um, all that good stuff, and one of the best cameras in the industry, coupled with a, UI, uh, a scan and read UI, so you have a fully contained OCR video magnifier bringing together the best, really, of all the companies that are under the VFO umbrella. Um, that was released a couple of months ago. Um, one of the other new products uh, within the VFO umbrella and under the Optelec brand is a, is a product called Compact 6. So Compact is a handheld video magnifier line, a range of products in that line from Optelec. 
The Compact 6 is a next generation. It's a tablet-based video magnifier. Um, it has distance, um, instant on. This thing turns on in a second. Um, it's got simple intuitive touch screen. It's got on-screen buttons, if you wish. But it's also got built-in OCR. So now in your pocket, you have a 6-inch tablet video magnifier with built-in scan and read capabilities. And again, we're showcasing that for the first time here at ACB. I encourage you to come and have a look at that. All right, I'm going to conclude with um, just over, uh, uh, just just making you aware of some of the show specials because I think they're significant, significant, significant. <laughs> I mean, I'm already hard to understand with a British accent, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> so let me touch upon some of the show specials, right, for the software because these really are. Um, these really are very aggressive pricing. So we are, like we did last year, we, we've done this now for uh, a couple of years. We've come up with new and affordable ways to get hold of this technology for private users. And during the ACB convention, we can get a home use, home use license of JAWS for just $125. Uh, SMA discounts, $100. Any upgrade, doesn't matter what version you're on, $100. Um, we had the same type of programs as ZoomText. So, for example, $100 for a new license, $75 for upgrade. Fusion, that brand new product that was released in, uh, in May, uh, you can buy a brand new license for $175. Open Book, $125. And on the hardware, we've got some incredible um, discounts. That I, I met some of you yesterday that took advantage of this. The, the Ruby Magnifier, which is really one of the flagship products for Freedom Scientific. Um, you can get that for 295 at the OCB conference, so, um, as well as the compact uh, video magnifier from Optelec. So they're both of those. You have a choice depending on what type of product that you prefer. 295 Pearl camera, which some of you, well, most of you I'm sure are aware, which is the foldable OCR camera from Freedom Scientific, works with OpenBook. 795 retail. OCB price is 295 Yep. Get them while it's hot. And we have a lot of these products here at the booth, so you can walk home with them. And 20% off of any other hardware um, products. So like I said, you combine this stuff, it means an L Braille note taker, a Windows 10 note taker, with the Focus 14, with a JAWS license, with OpenBook, with a, with a Pearl camera, if you wish, if you don't have these already. You could go home with that for less than $3,000. So we're really pushing the envelope in terms of making this stuff affordable. So I encourage you to come down to the booth. I'm sure you're, many of you will, will uh, recognize and be familiar with many of the staff that we have down there. We have all of this technology to play with, so come and have a play, and we have some uh, giveaways too. Uh, and that concludes the presentation. Look forward to enjoying ACB conference with you, and thanks very much. Okay, would Dan Spoon get to a mic for the RDC? On your way. I am here, Jeff. All right, go ahead. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, the RDC committee... Uh, really appreciates all the support that you provide to us at the committee for all 
all of us here at ACB. It's all of us together that make a difference, that raise the money, that allow us to keep this engine moving. So we have three opportunities for you all to get involved this week. The first is the ACB Braille Forum. How many of them of you all love your Braille Forum? Give me a yeah. Well, believe it or not, guys, that Braille Forum's not free. We've got to pay for it. And so we have a raffle every year to raise money for the Braille Forum. So for $50, you can have your name in the drawing for $5,000, $1,000, or $500. We were awarding three prizes this year. The Braille Forum raffle tickets will be on sale with, if you want to use your credit card at either Registration or the ACB Mini Mall, which is booths 1, 2, and 3 in the exhibit hall, as well as RDC members will be circulating around the general sessions and the convention with raffle tickets for sale. So please buy a raffle ticket and show your love for ACB. Next, I would like to introduce Kim Abair to give us a little update about the wonderful auction that's coming up on Monday night. Kim? All right. We have the auction coming up tomorrow. We have a preview at... Closer to the mic. <laughs> we have our auction tomorrow night. There you go. Preview at 6 o'clock. And we start our auction at 7. It will be in this room. Um, we have awesome prizes to, uh, for you to bid on. A lot of technology. A lot of good food. Awesome trips, awesome jewelry. Uh, we want everyone to come out. If you don't have a bidder number, we'll give you one. Um, please make your presence known. This is my first time um, chairing this committee. Um, Leslie has done an awesome job in the past, and I'm hoping that I can follow in her footsteps. So please, y'all come out. We appreciate you coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. And now we'd like to hear from George Holliday on the monthly monetary support program. And I think he has a, a prize winner from the first day. Yes, I do. <clears throat> but first, I'd like to let everybody know that MMS is at, the, at table four. Come over and talk to us about how we can work together with ACB and the affiliates as a fundraiser together. So come on and get some information. Now, there will be prizes given out every day for people who register and sign up for MMS. And there will be a final drawing at the end, after the convention is over, for a Alexa, you know, Amazon Echo. The second prize will be an Amazon Echo Dot. Now, yesterday we had, I want to thank everybody who came to the table yesterday, but we do have one winner. And it will be a winner each day, but the winner for yesterday was... Arimlo Rubles from California. And if you're in the room, I, well, I have his telephone number, room number, we'll, we'll call you, but uh, he's here. Very good. Just come to the table four and receive your prize. And I'll be looking forward to talking to everyone at the MMS table. Thank you. All right. Thank you, RDC. Thank you, Jeff. Okay, so... It is really an honor to again have the privilege of introducing our next speaker. I've had that privilege several times. Um, Karen Kenninger is a leader in our community. She is one of us. She uh, knows our needs because she lives them and she does as much as she possibly can to 
bring improvements about um, for us uh, since reading is such an important part of all of our daily lives and information access. So let's hear it for Karen Kenninger, Director of the National Library Services for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. Karen? Good morning, ACB. It is once again a real pleasure to be here with you today, even though I'm freezing. <laughs> I do want to thank Alabama for letting me sit with them in their front row seats. Thank you, Alabama. I, I have never been to Alabama. Now I know I really need to go there. You know, I have, I have been in the position of director of NLS for the last five years. Yeah, yeah, mine too. <laughs> And when I, when I started, I had five things, there were five areas that I really promised that I would work in. Those were to maintain the quality of the NLS product, to add more content than we'd been doing, to leverage technology to improve reading and delivery, and to improve Braille literacy through the library, and to expand our patron base. So since I'm asked to talk about what's new and what's happening, these are the topics that I'm going to cover this morning. And um, I will also be chatting with people this afternoon at the, uh, at the Lua meeting. So if I don't get through all of this in my time allotment, I will have more to say this afternoon. Uh, there we go. Okay. 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 So um, one of the things that I didn't anticipate when I first took the job, but which has become a, an integral part of NLS, is the distribution of the currency reader program. We've been working with uh, Bureau of Engraving and Printing to distribute them, and I just wanted to let you know that we've distributed, I think, over 50,000 at this point. We have a staff that works on taking calls and working on that project. So. Um, Another thing that we have, something that we have accomplished this past year is to re, uh, release, is the word I'm looking for, um, to release BART Express. Anybody here using BART Express? BART Express is intended for people who are PC-based users who, of BART who um, want a little better search function, um, better sorting function and a much easier experience moving things from BARD onto their talking book machines or their devices of choice. Um, we released that last fall and it has been popular if you don't know about it and if you think it would be useful to you, <coughs> pardon me, um, contact your network library, they can help you get it. Um, how many of you are actually NLS users? All right. <laughs> And how many of you are BARD users? And how many of you are um, uh, BARD mobile users? <coughs> okay, that gives me a good idea of who I'm talking to. Okay, uh, it's very helpful. So, um, so anyway, BARD mobile, we have, we are BARD mobile, we're working to keep those maintained, both for Android and iOS. They keep changing things. You know, iOS keeps coming out with a new version every year, and then we got to do stuff to, clean, to make sure that we're compatible. So we continue to work on those. 
we have had a website for many years, and that website has been intended for uh, accessibility, and it was accessible, but it was kind of old-fashioned. So as of July 10th, we are launching a new website for NLS. Um, you can actually preview the new website by going to the current NLS website, but, um, and we are looking for feedback on that. So if you uh, wanted to tell us anything about what you think about it, we'd be happy to hear about that. Um, we think it'll be more visually appealing. We have accessible uh, video controls on it now and some of the other kinds of things that we were lacking before. We think the organization, we hope the organization will be easier to follow than we'd had, we kind of grew like Topsy before. So, and of course it is fully accessible. That was the top priority. Good looking and fully accessible, which you can do. So um, feedback is welcome again. Um, I promised more content. And we are producing more new content each year. Um, this coming year, we expect to do about 1,000 commercial titles, uh, new commercial titles, as well as about 2,000 uh, recorded titles that we've asked our, our vendors to actually record, like APH and whatnot, NLS recorded titles. Um, we also have made an arrangement with recorded, <coughs> excuse me, I caught up cold from my brother recently. Um, thank you, brother. He'd just been to China. <coughs> and I think I have a Chinese cold. Anyway, <laughs> anyhow, excuse me. Um, we are working with recorded books to, uh, with their backlist this coming year to fill in series and to do, thank you so much, and to do some other things that will help to, um, to fill up series and just so we're adding about 1,000 of those this coming year, too. Um, so we are incre increasing the number of titles that we're producing. Uh, you all wanted our, our cassette titles move forward, and so we have almost completed that process. There are about 37,000 of them, and we've got all, we will have all of them on BARD by the end of the summer. We're also beginning to address our foreign language uh, collection, which is not real robust, um, to say the least. We're looking at ways that we can improve that by getting materials from other libraries through the Accessible Book Consor Consortium. And someday we might actually get to join Marrakesh and then we'd have more access. But that's not happening just now. So um, in the past year, we've added some magazines. We've added the O Magazine and the AARP Magazines based on customer requests and some other things. We are also working with the Internet Archive and Hottie Trust, they have bazillions of things available. Um, and Internet Archive has kind of tried to cooperate or coordinate with us before, but it hasn't been widely used. So we're looking at ways that Internet Archive and potentially Hottie Trust, which have um, scanned m millions of titles, that we would be able to make them more readily available to our patrons. That's something that's coming. It's not here yet, but we are hopeful. Um, technology is a big part of NLS. And one of the things <coughs> that I'm working on at this point, very hard and very successfully, I might add, with everyone's help, is to introduce a Braille e-reader to the NLS program. 
this has been a goal of mine since the beginning um, because I believe that with Braille e-readers, we will be able to produce more content in NLS, and we'll also be able to make more content available in Braille to people without having all of the drawbacks that Braille has come to represent, like bulk and the hassle of mailing and, and all of those things. So here's what's happening. Last summer, it was after the conventions, but last summer, the legislation that governs what NLS can spend money on was changed to allow us to not only spend money on talking book machines, but also on other products, including refreshable Braille. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got to get a drink or I'm going to... So that legislation is now in place. They didn't give me any money with it, but at least we got that far. Another thing that has changed is that the cost of refreshable Braille is coming down. You heard some of that from our, our friends at, um, just now with regard to the VFO products. And that cost is coming down. New technology has been introduced. It's, not, um, it's, it's new. It's brand new. Um, so what we are going to do initially, and thank you to Kim for this, we are going to be doing a pilot with Perkins. That Perkins is buying 200 Orbit readers, and we are going to be working together with them to pilot this concept for <coughs> stage one of introducing it. We want to find out a lot of things about how this will fit into the program. We want to find out who will be using them. We want to find out how they'll be using them. We want to find out how much support the libraries will need to provide. We want to find out what kinds of materials people want to read on, on the digital Braille devices. We want to know um, what impact that will have on hard copy circulation. We have a whole lot of questions. We want to know what the features are that are the most important. So what we're going to do is this pilot, about six months' worth, we'll be, um, Kim will be selecting and distributing um, the, the readers to people and be working with Judy Dixon and, and NLS staff um, and Perkins staff together to, to answer a lot of these questions. Once we have those answers, we'll be prepared to move forward into our next uh, our expanded pilot and for that expanded pilot, NLS will be buying um, units. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Um, we'll be will be purchasing units um, through a free and open competition, as we are federal people, and that's what we do. <coughs> sorry, I'm going to cough right into the mic. Oh, I'm sorry about this cough. I was hoping that wouldn't happen. Okay, now we got a cough drop here, so hang on a minute. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, so we're going to be working with probably eight of our network libraries to have an expanded pilot. We expect that to happen by the end of next summer. Um, nothing happens quickly when you are fed. I've learned this. It is one of my harder lessons. Um, and then we are going to be asking for additional funds for 2019 federal fiscal year. And with those additional funds, we will be buying 
um, refreshable braille devices to begin rolling them out to as, as a part of the NLS program. Now these devices are going to be pretty simple. We're not going to try to get everything built into one device. Um, what we're going to be looking at, we know for sure, is the ability to read a BRF file, to read the, the format that NLS produces at this point. So um, they will be fairly simple. They will be also. They will be able to hand, handle um, the, the files to read off a cartridge, we believe, and then they will also be able to be Bluetooth to an iPhone or an Android device or whatever, so that they you could use it to read Braille um, on those devices as well. We will, of course, continue to pr produce hard copy Braille, um, at least for the midterm. We know that there will be some decrease in reading of hard copy Braille, but we also know that there will be people who won't take uh, readily to the refreshable Braille device. At least we think that's the case. And so we will be continuing uh, hard copy Braille as we go. <coughs> Okay, so um, one, another thing that we have done with Braille this past year or two is to reintroduce tactile gra graphics. I may have mentioned this last year. I'm not sure. Or, sorry, I keep missing that. Um, but we have reintroduced tactile graphics in some of our materials. And if you have thoughts about the tactile graphics, I'd be interested in hearing them. Um, we have many other things that I'm going to kind of skim through a little bit here. Um, talking book machines. We are going to be looking at the next generation of talking book machines. Now, the talking book machines that we have now are robust and sturdy and working very well for the most part. But eventually that stock is going to run out. And we want to do some new things with the talking book machines, too. So we need to figure out whether we need to build our own talking book machine again. NLS has always done that. Or whether it makes more sense to buy a talking book player that would be produced on the, on the, by, on the market. So this summer we're actually going to be studying that question. Should we buy or should we build? We'll be making a decision by next, say, January, and then we'll move forward with regard to that decision. One of the things that we know we want to do is incorporate text-to-speech in the talking book machine so that if you want to read a textbook in text, or in a, tech, a, a book that is text that is um, on your talking book machine, you'd be able to do that. Um, we also know that we want to, be, to move towards wireless delivery. So those two things are for sure things that we're going to be incorporating into the next generation talking book machine. There will be others, but those two we don't for sure. How soon we'll have that done? Probably another two or three years, I think. So um, that's another thing that we're working on. <coughs> <coughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. We've got some other pilots going on. Um, one of the things, we had this, this report done by our good friends, the Government Accountability Office, and they generally come in and tell you what you need to do differently. 
Uh, and one of the things that they told us that we needed to find out was whether or not our patrons would accept text-to-speech, synthetic speech, as, as a vehicle for talking books. Now, let me hear from you just a quick, how many of you think that you'd get just as good a book if you had text-to-speech as opposed to human-narrated books? How many of you? Thank you. This is my thought. Um, however, it's cheaper, so there's some, some pressure to look at this. So what we're going to be doing this summer is, is a, a pilot test of synthetic speech with some of our patrons to see whether they have the same opinion that I have, which is that text-to-speech has a place. If you're going to read a cookbook, do I care whether it's dramatically rendered? Do I care? Not really. Um, but if, if, if I'm going to read a romance novel, does it matter? Mm, maybe so. <laughs> so what we're going to find out is whether I'm just crazy or whether everybody feels the same way that I do. And, and, um, because my vision of the NLS program going forward is that text-to-speech has a place. But that place is not for our core um, titles, that we would maintain our human-narrated core titles for uh, the benefit of leisure reading, which is what we're all about. And that maybe there would be a secondary group of titles that maybe we couldn't produce in any other way that would utilize text-to-speech. We'll see how that all goes. But anyway, we're going to be studying that this summer. Another thing that we're going to be piloting is a duplication on demand system, which what that means from the patron perspective is that you would get customized cartridges from your library. Instead of getting the cartridges that are kind of manufactured by NLS and sent to the libraries, the libraries would take a cartridge and they would put the books on the cartridge that you wanted to read specifically, and then they would send it to you. And when you got done with it, you'd send it back and they would they would um, do that. Now, if you're already downloading, you're already customizing your, your books. But I know many, many people, and about 85% of the people we serve actually aren't using BARD. They're not downloading for whatever reasons. So we're looking, we're going to be piloting this customized cartridge concept this summer so that we can find out how it works in the library and so that we can also get feedback from the patrons about whether it's working for them. Um, Iowa. Anybody here? Oh, yeah, we do have some people here from Iowa, yeah? Iowa? I'm from Iowa. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> Iowa has actually taken the step of becoming the first shelfless library in the network. They, have, they are doing everything in, in terms of customized cartridges. Um, we'll see how that's working there and hopefully expand it. Because we have a lot of things on BARD that are not available on cartridges that, that NLS sends out. So it's going to be very helpful to have these customized cartridges so then you'd get, be able to get access not only to the, the stuff that's already on cartridge, but primarily the things that we didn't put on cartridges, including, by the way, the 3,500 and counting locally produced um, talking books that we've got up on BARD now. So look for customized cartridges. <coughs> Another pilot that we are working on is just kind of the preliminary way of figuring out what it's going to mean to do wireless delivery in the NLS network. I mean, it's kind of obvious at some levels, but we need to figure out what the usage would be. And this is, again, primarily for people who aren't already using BARD or aren't using the apps. 
So we're working on that this summer. And we are playing with Alexa as well. We know there are some people who think it would be cool to read their talking books on Alexa. And so we're playing with that as well to see how that would work out. Um, a couple other quick things which are sort of um, not directly related to, our, to the service that you receive from NLS, but they do impact NLS. One of which is that we're going through a major renovation in our facility, which means that some of our people are located on the Capitol Hill and some people are moving around in, on Taylor Street, and that should be finished in December. That does, again, it doesn't really affect your patron or your service, but it does affect our staff, so, and it might slow a few things down. We've also been, been basically given a building to move into, um, which is much, much closer to Cap. It's actually on Capitol Hill, and we are looking at the potential for moving into that building in the next five to seven years. So um, one other big thing that we are doing is to uh, advertise our program more. We have got money set aside for television and radio and multimedia advertising in order to increase the number of people who know about our service so that they can uh, get the benefits of it. And you should be seeing online advertising of NLS, uh, NLS services in the next, um, actually that started already. And it's been quite successful. And you also will start to see television and radio advertising uh, starting in January or February. So we're really hopeful that that's going to help people to learn about our program. I have a lot of other things, but I think it's time for your break. And you're all frozen, so I know you all want to step outside where you can warm up. So um, I will be speaking to Lua. We'll be having a more of an open conversation this afternoon. Anybody who wants to ask questions or provide feedback would be very welcome. So thank you all very much. Mr. Moderator, this is Ann Byington. Mr. Mr. Chair, I also have Mr. The, Chairman, like the this mic. Is Ann, Judy Ann, Wilkinson. Ann Byington. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get out of the way here. All right. We'll take, uh, I'll just grab it. Okay, um, we'll take one question. Judy, did you have a question? I'm sorry, Madam President, I have an announcement. I'll make it. Oh, okay. Let's take one question. This, this is Ann Byington. It's not a question. But what I would like to say is that the Library of Congress, NLS, particularly BARD, has been such a game changer in my life that if I could thank you personally every day, I would do it. Aww. Thank you. That's, that's really... Heartfelt, I can tell, and I think there's a lot of other people in this room that feel exactly the same way. So, um, Karen, thank you so much, and uh, go to Lua this afternoon. You'll have a much longer time to ask lots of questions, and you'll have more detailed conversation with Karen Kenninger. Thank you. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take some announcements, and then we'll take a short break, 10 minutes, and we'll try to get our program back on schedule. Thank you. This is Judy with a quick one. Not For yet. all Californians, we want a group picture with as many Californians as we can. Head up to the far front left corner of the room, please, and Paul Shane will shepherd you, and we'll get our picture. And that includes you, Mr. Vice President. Come okay. down here. 
Madam All right, Madam President. Jan is Janet Dickelman at our microphone? I am. Janet, go ahead. Thank you, everyone. A uh, couple of quick convention announcements. Remem reminder, tour loading is on the first floor of the West Tower, just off the West Tower elevators. There's a sign that says bus loading, or ACB tours, rather, and it's just off of Roscoe's Lounge. If you have to ask someone where it is, it's the valet loading off outside Roscoe's Lounge. That is where you load for the buses. When the tour time says it leaves at 12.30, it leaves at 12.30. So make sure you allow plenty of time to get out there to get on that bus. Madam um, President, I have an announcement. What? We're, we're having Janet speak right now, so okay. hold on. Lost and found at the information desk. There is a slate that someone has left. There is a Canon camera. There are two pairs of glasses, and there is a jacket with a fur collar. Um, There'll be a lot of takers for that. <laughs> Apparently so. The, the ACB Cafe is, remaining, is open for lunch, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They have a dinner special every night. I bought their dinner special last night, and it was so much food. I have leftovers for forever. You get either a green salad or a fruit salad, and this fruit was this huge container of fruit. Tonight is a beef steak with gravy, ma garlic mashed potatoes, stir-fried um, lo mein noodles, and uh, garden veggies with a roll and dessert for $14.95. So it is an excellent deal. And also, just a reminder from FIA, the showcase tomorrow does start, and it is listed in the program at 7.30. We're starting a little bit earlier than normal because of the fireworks display tomorrow night. So 7.30 for FIA Showcase. Thank you very much, Madam President. Thank you very much. Is Patty Cox at a microphone? Yes, I am. Patty, go ahead. Um, you all don't get to listen to my mother this year about the mini mall, but you get to listen Shh. to me. Let's, let's be quiet and listen to our speaker. Thanks. We have new um, polo shirts that are silk touch. They feel great. They would keep you cool. If, you're, if it's hot outside, and uh, we have jackets that will keep you warm in the hotel. All right. <laughs> Go to the mini mall, guys. You'll be So come warmer. to the mini mall. We have many new items, a lot of new chargers. Get your phone charged up quickly. Thank Kim, you. Kim, Thank I do you. have an announcement. Thank Jim you, Patty. And who's at a mic? Identify Jim, yourself. Kim, 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 I'm going to recognize Kim and then the gentleman. Um, the diabetics in action uh, have spinners on sale. Um, this is a new craze among um, young adults and elderly, too. Um, if anybody would like to purchase anything, Pierre Curry is at the Louisiana uh, table. If anybody wants to purchase them, and they are $7. Thank you. And there was a gentleman? It's the first time I've been called a gentleman. It's Jim Urock. Oh, Jim. You yes, don't go I, I am in my sleep, so if anybody, yeah. I do want to mention that the program is incorrect as far as CCLVI's meeting room location. Our 115, 245, and 715 tonight, as well as tomorrow and Tuesday, is all in Poolside Terrace and not what it says in the program. Yes, and, and those changes are noted in the newspaper. Okay, um, Poolside is where you'll find CCLVI. Thank you. Madam President, Karen Schroeder. Go ahead. 
I just wanted to let you know I found a wad of $1 bills. Oh. And I will not keep them if somebody will find me and who needs them. I will not tell you how much. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, take Four. that man away. Go. <laughs> we, um, somehow somebody's leaving little cash presents around because at the head table, we found a stack of money. So if you meant to leave it for the head table, that would be great <laughs> if we knew that. Um, so, and we're not going to tell you how much. That's going to be your job if you want to claim this stack of money. So, thank you. And let's break officially. Remember, the Braille programs are out at the volunteer desk. And you want to be back for our next speaker, who is an absolutely amazing, fantastic, wonderful guy. I've known him for a long time. He's a real UN ambassador, and he has a lot to say to us. So, let's break for 10 minutes. All right, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into our sponsor interview. And that will be uh, Microsoft, as soon as I get the right uh, channel unmuted here. So here we go. Hello everyone, this is Jeff Bishop and welcome to the 56th Annual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind, held this year in Reno, Nevada. Microsoft Corporation is a double diamond sponsor of our convention this year, which we're very excited about. I had an opportunity to speak to Megan Lawrence. She works on the accessibility team along with Jenny Fleury, who is the Chief Accessibility Officer at Microsoft. And there's been a lot of activity happening at Microsoft in the area of accessibility. And Megan's going to fill us all in. So please help me give a warm welcome to Megan Lawrence. Hello, Megan. Oh, it's so great to be here with you, Jeff. Thanks again for your sponsorship this year. And Microsoft has been really busy and doing lots of great things. Can you fill us in on all things new at Microsoft? Yeah, fantastic. So my name is Megan Lawrence, and I'm the accessibility evangelist here at Microsoft. And, you know, we always look forward to coming to the ACB conference because we really value that time that we get to spend with the blind and low vision community. And in all honesty, it's our opportunity to hear, you know, what's working, um, hopefully what you love, but perhaps most importantly, what are those places that we can really continue to grow and improve? So our mission here at Microsoft is to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. Um, and, you know, and to us that means creating and delivering technology that's not only accessible but really usable for people who are blind and low vision. Um, but in order to live into that mission, we need to the participation of the blind and low vision community. So that means we want your partnership. We want your feedback. We want to know um, the places that we can continue continue to improve our products. So there's a couple ways that people can get involved. One of them is through user voice. Um, I know all of you out there have great ideas for brand new features or functions or even products. So we'd love to hear about it. And that's at aka.ms slash user voice. Now, for those of you out there that like to be on the forefront of technology and really um, help Microsoft shape the way that accessibility is built into our products and services, we'd love to have you become a Windows or an Office insider. Um, insiders get products before they are released to the general public and have the ability to really help us shape what those look like. 
Now, we know that accessibility is a journey, right? And we're in it for the long game. Um, we see this as a path to continue to improve current technology uh, and also push that boundary, right? Push the possibilities of what's possible for people who are blind and, and low vision, not only now, but really into the future. Um, for example, with the artificial intelligence, machine learning, and cloud computing. Um, and so I see the, the ability for us to continue to um, improve in accessibility and create that inclusive culture, that happens when it's woven into the fabric of, of who we are as a company. And so I see that as sort of this two-pronged approach. One, we need and we have the commitment of our senior leaders. So we have people like Satya Nadella, who's our CEO, say things like, you know, we're focused on designing and building products that our customers love, that are accessible to everyone, and built for each of us. But we also know that inclusive culture comes from that bottom-up, right, uh, from the people inside of our company. And so we actively hire people with disabilities um, throughout the company. Because when you have one in seven people globally, and I always like to ground in that fact, with people that have disabilities, we want our company to reflect society. We want to have people with disabilities embedded into our teams and actively working on building accessibility from the inside out. Okay, so at Microsoft, we're really just a bunch of nerds, <laughs> and our engineers like to make cool stuff. So for us, that means putting accessibility at the heart of inclusive design. Because when we do that, yes, we make our products and services accessible for people who have permanent disabilities, but we also make products and services accessible for people who have a temporary disability, like they had an eye injury or maybe they broke their arm. And in the long run, that provides great situational usability for everybody who wants to do things eyes free. Um, to give a quick update on a couple of things that have happened over the last six months, Windows 10 has had its creators update, um, and now people who are blind or low vision can install Windows without sighted assistance. So we've got unassisted install. We also have um, Braille display so that you can interact with Windows. That's in a beta version, and it's one of those products we'd love to get your feedback on. Uh, and last but not least, we also have mono audio. So this is great for people who may have partial hearing loss or one of those who likes to just wear one earbud at a time um, so that you can send audio into the left and the right channels um, so that nobody misses any sounds. In Office, um, we wanna make it easy for everybody to create accessible content and for people who are blind or low vision to easily consume and share accessible content. So kind of going back to that idea of how are we using artificial intelligence and machine learning, one way we're doing that is through automatic alt text. So now when you pop a picture into, um, into PowerPoint, it will automatically generate that uh, image description for you. And then you can go in and look at that image description and decide, yep, that's good, I like it, or I'd like to change it. So it gives you that really that flexibility. But we know that that's high on lots of people's lists as an accessibility error, and we wanna take care of that automatically. Um, we also have moved the accessibility checker. So the accessibility checker is now in the review tab right next to the spell check, and it provides the opportunity for anybody to go in and evaluate their documents and see if they're accessible. We've got it in Word, we've got it in PowerPoint, we've got it in Outlook. Uh, and when you find that there are accessibility errors, we provide step-by-step -step instructions um, for how you can go ahead and fix that. 
We want to remind everybody that Office 365 has the latest uh, accessibility updates. We are not going to be backporting accessibility into older versions, like um, uh, into older versions. And so we really encourage everybody to get onto Office 365. Now, at the end of the day, we recognize that everybody has an IT moment where they could use some help. So uh, if you find yourself in that situation, please reach out to our Disability Answer Desk. Uh, they're here to provide um, IT support and assistance, customer service for people with disabilities and for those who are supporting people with disabilities and using assistive technology. If you happen to be an IT admin or running a business, we also have the Enterprise Disability Answer Desk. And that's where we can really help you with some of those enterprise products and help you seamlessly roll out accessibility in your company. Now, I think it's a really exciting time to be in accessibility because at Microsoft, we believe that accessibility is that lens to innovation, right? As we invest in accessibility, we invest in personalized computing, in the ability for you to make your computing environment work the best in the way that you need it, as well as looking forward into natural user interface design. So here at Microsoft, we're happy to be part of the ACB conference, and we look forward to seeing you uh, stop by our booth or one of our talks. I know that there recently was a refresh of the accessibility website at Microsoft. Can you fill us in on those details? So if you go to Microsoft.com accessibility, you can hear a little bit more about our, our story, find out what's latest uh, in our products and services, including Office, Windows, and you can also find conformance statements. So if you're one of those people who's looking for a VPAT or wondering how our products um, line up to uh, 508, uh, and the 508 refresh, uh, the EN standards, and WCAG, it's all there. That's great, as well as contact information for the Disability Answer Desk and Enterprise uh, Disability Answer Desk and just... And user voice. Yeah, and user voice, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Well, Megan, thank you very, very much, and we're looking forward to another great year from Microsoft in lots of really neat innovation, and I'm sure uh, we'll be having you on Main Menu and other shows, so thank you so much. Thank you. All right. We are back live once again. And um, they'll be getting underway with the rest of this morning's general session very shortly. Uh, you heard Janet say something about showcase tomorrow night. The uh, Friends in Art Showcase will actually be Tuesday evening. Uh, the schedule says 8 o'clock. Um, they said 7.30, so we're going to have to verify that. We'll send out announcements with the correct time. And it will be airing on ACB Radio Cafe. That's when, that's where the Friends at Art Showcase will air, is on ACB Radio Cafe. And it will repeat the rest of the week after it airs. So those of you on the East Coast, you know it's going to be starting pretty late for you. So we'll make sure it replays the rest of the week, and it also will be available for download. Uh, this morning's general session, as well as last night's, will be put up on the ACB events feed later this afternoon, once I get uh, things rolling for our recording sessions. And you can subscribe to that feed with your podcatching device by going to http colon slash slash acbradio.org slash acb-events.xml 
Now, if you want to look at that with your browser as a normal web page, you can uh, just take the .xml off the end of it so the URL becomes http colon slash slash acbradio.org slash acb dash events and you can see what all we have up there we've got last year's convention up there there are several affiliate convention stuff up there but uh if you're using a podcasting device it's all that much easier to use the xml url and pull that right into your device such as a vector stream uh, an iDevice using either overcast or downcast or something like that <coughs> So we hope you've enjoyed the coverage thus far, and uh, we'll keep bringing it to you as we can. This afternoon, we will be streaming from 2.45 to 4 p.m. Pacific time. And let's see, let me go over my program here. Uh, Let's see, let's go up here. It's the, uh, let's see, it's the Future of Older Blind Programs, which is uh, put on by AAVL and the Rehab Task Force. And AAVL, for those of you that know, that's Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. So that will happen from 2.45 to 4 o'clock this afternoon. We'll be streaming that live, and that'll be on ACB Radio Live event. After this morning session is over, I'm going to get the replay going of this morning session, and that'll carry through all the way till tomorrow morning when we reconvene with the next general session. I'm going to go ahead and bring up the house because I imagine Kim will want to get underway once again with the rest of the general session here shortly. So, again, thank you for listening, and we'll be back later. And then what you do is you give them a receiver that tunes into the loop, not tunes into the uh, frequency. Testing. There we are. Okay, we're going to get started, and we'll give you 30 seconds. Because we're running a little behind, and we have some outstanding speakers.
All right. We are, our next speaker is someone who has actually spoken to us before a number of years ago, and many of you may remember him, if not know him. Um, he is currently the uh, United Nations representative uh, from UNICEF um, uh, and the former for Antigua and Barbuda, and he is formerly the Perkins International uh, director of their international services, um, a, a fine gentleman and an incredible speaker, our uh, international speaker today, uh, and that is Aubrey Rebson. Aubrey? enough room? Okay. <laughs> While he's getting himself organized, I've had the privilege of working with Aubrey for a long time. I could tell you stories, but I promised him I'd be good. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but he is, he is an ambassador from, at the UN from Antigua and, and Barbuda, the Caribbean nations. And uh, you tell me when. Okay. Okay, so, um, and I'll just tell you a quick story that was kind of funny. I was in New York about two years ago, and I got together for dinner with Aubrey, and we had a great time catching up. He hadn't been an ambassador too long, about five months, and when his driver kept coming in, saying, Mr. Ambassador, I'm waiting outside whenever you're ready to go. Aubrey would say, okay, sure, no problem. So we, we left the restaurant afterwards. I said, hey, Aubrey, can you give me a ride back to the hotel? And he's, he kind of goes, well, you know, I can do that. I'm an ambassador. <laughs> so, so he gave me a ride back to the hotel. So thank you, Aubrey. <laughs> you can tell great stories. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me now? That's it. A little better. Is that good? Yeah, you can get it. All right, all right. I I promise you. I I promise you that I get louder as I speak. <laughs> Is that good? All right. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It is a great pleasure to be here with all of you, to be here with friends. And um, Kim, thank you very much for the invitation and for the opportunity to speak to the group. Um, for me, I am always happy. It is always an honor to be invited by a group of colleagues and friends. And it is always a great time when I am back amongst persons who share similar experiences to myself, and I am delighted that I have this opportunity for the second time to speak to you um, 
colleagues of the ACB. I was listening to, when I walked in, the NLS folks were speaking, and I was listening to the wonderful things that are happening there, and I was wondering, as I said to my friend Eric Bridges, I'm going to be bringing this thing down from 50,000 feet to 2,000 feet because I'm going to be speaking about the world. So let us see. Um, and he said, yeah, that's why you're here. You have the accent. You have the speech. So I said, fine. So let me, let me begin by again thanking, everybody, thanking the leadership of ACB for inviting me and for giving me this opportunity to speak to you. Let me sort of clear, clarify a little bit about my role and my um, title so that it's, it's, it's often mixed up between the U.S. and the U.N. I am Antigua and Barbuda's permanent representative and ambassador to the United Nations. We do have an ambassador to the United States. In fact, I was offered to be ambassador to the United States, and I said, no way. <laughs> that was two years ago. Before anything changed, I still said, no way. <laughs> Okay, um, but I am, I am with the United Nations. And as a result, having spent the last two and a half years at the UN, I was um, elected to be president of the UNICEF Executive Board. So I am now president of UNICEF. Thank you. So at the United Nations, of course, we are engaged in, in, in discussions around the big issues, as they say, the issues that challenge the world. The main thing that we are discussing that we are faced with these days is challenging a new agenda for the world called the, the SDGs, Social Development Goals. I want, to be, I want to talk about the broad issues of how persons with disabilities, how persons who are blind, and, the, and our organizations are changing and the challenge we have. I think it is important to do that because our world is changing. The important piece in that is to note where we are in the United States. We are very involved with a lot of the big discussions. We are involved as you, with, with, with what I said, the 50,000 feet discussions. And, um, and, but yet there are many issues that we need to examine as, or, as an organization and begin to challenge ourselves in this new era of change. We in the United States still have, have not yet ratified Marrakesh, right? I think somebody made reference to Marrakesh. Very important issue and we need in terms of persons who are blind. We need, we have not ratified um, the UN the CRPD, United Nations Convention, the Rights of People with Disabilities. Now, it's, we can say for ourselves, we, we move on with ADA, but we have a moral responsibility to the rest of the world as well. So the UNCRPD remains a, a, a big, every year something that comes up, and we, those persons who are from the United States, we hang our head a little bit because it's not there. We have not, there are still the issues of, we have to think about the SDGs. We have all signed on to the SDGs two years ago, and this is an issue that we as countries need to also understand and move forward 
and our organization similarly, and I'll come back to that. We, there are still others, the rights to development for people as a whole, and how does that affect our people throughout the United States, and I mean all peoples. And that's another matter that we will reference. And finally, the point of inclusion, which is the issue that I want to focus most on. I believe I have been able to accomplish what I have been able to accomplish in life because my family saw me, my family gave me the opportunity to be inclusive. Inclusive in education, opportunities, and inclusive, most importantly, in play and community interaction. That in itself laid the groundwork for the kind of person I have become. And I think that is important for us to, to pay attention to as we move forward and define the discussion on inclusion. So, let me now refer to the challenges that I, I see we, we are facing. In the international community, as we move forward in this thing that we call the SDGs, Social Development Goals, or the 2030 Agenda, I don't know how many of you have heard of that. And I ask that because last night, coming through the airport, I asked, I asked a young lady who was assisting me if she knew what the United Nations was, and she said no. <laughs> so that told me a lot of stories, right? So I want to say that it is important that we understand what the SDGs are. And the reason why is because it, the mantra of that, that initiative, and it's an international initiative that the United States itself has brought onto, is that we will leave no one behind. And because of leaving no one behind, I want to begin, I want to ask the questions about our own organization. We generally begin to challenge who are the people furthest left behind in our societies. The fact and reality is the poorest people in every society are persons with disabilities. Blind people and other people with disabilities. We are the poorest people. Maybe not those of you sitting in the audience. You are the elite, maybe. But the ones who are furthest behind are the poorest. So I raised the question in my, in, my, um, in my paper here, my short presentation here. What do we know about the changing face of the United States and therefore the changing circumstances of persons who are blind? What are the questions they are asking? Do we know where the persons who are blind in the Bronx are? In Brooklyn? South Florida, in rural communities, and what is happening to them? Do we know what the education opportunities are for them? Do we know what the welfare and social assistance system is, is doing for them or to them? And I, I actually can say some of the reasons why I ask these questions is because I know. There are people who went to school with me in Trinidad and in Antigua who are immigrants to the United States, and I know they're not as fortunate as I am. I also say, ask the question, what is the biggest challenge facing our community, the blindness community? We and I engage in the issues and discussions of technology and the discussions of, of, um, of the, uh, the, love, the discussion I heard about the NLS, the question of employment. Ever since I started working in the 80s, and began, began to be involved in, in the field of services for persons who are blind. 
the question of employment has always been an issue. Have we challenged ourselves to understand where that, if that has shifted in favor of creating more employment opportunities for persons who are blind? We may say technology, will, technology is helping, and it does. But at the same time, even amongst people who are not blind, the sighted world, technology has created larger unemployment gaps. So the question for us is, how do we address the, address the issue then of employment? Because I see employment as the biggest challenge facing persons who are blind in any society, whether it's a developed country, a middle-income country, or a developing country. And we have to begin to find answers. One of the, ish one of the ways we are addressing some of the questions around human development through the United Nations forces are through understanding data. I do not know where our community is, the blindness community is, in terms of data, the data information age, in terms of getting data to understand what are the situations and crises facing our communities. Where people are, what are they doing, what do we do about it? We have addressed the... <clears throat> we have also looked at the question of the changing face of persons who are blind in the, in the communities. More persons with multiple disabilities are appearing before us. How are we engaging these people and their families remain a major and open question. I like to say, and I said this from my Perkins days, these are the voiceless people. While the Aubrey Websons, and forgive me, my, my old buddies, Paul Edwards and Kim Charlson and Brian Charlson, and I'm sure I could mention others, are fine. These people are the voiceless people whom we must find space for in our discussion and at our table. We cannot pretend they do not exist. In, the, in the Latin America and the Caribbean last year, we had an outbreak of Zika. Zika, and even in South Florida, Zika is the issue, is the mosquito-borne disease that created, when, when the mothers are bitten during pregnancy, their kids were born with hydrocephalus. What does that mean? If those children survive, you are going to have more children with multiple disabilities. Where do we, what is our advocacy campaign on behalf and with the families of those people and with those people themselves? In, a, in the world today, we are saying, we as persons who are blind fought the battle 20 years ago, nothing for us without us. That battle, while advocacy, it, we have won much of the advocacy struggle the battle for services must continue. And we therefore have to address that from that position. I know that there is a continuous discussion around education and training. The question of training persons who are teaching persons um, in schools and the question of how do we do that. The question of Braille. I want to tell you a story about Braille that I think might appeal to some of you here. We've gone through the, we, are, we have been debating for the last 20 years since computers and technology has become fashionable, the issue of Braille. 
I am a person who loves technology. I do. I believe it. Very important. But I can tell you, having been at the United Nations, having met persons who are blind, who are either working in high-profile jobs or not, most, if not all, of those persons have said to me, I wish I knew Braille like you. Because, because of my knowledge of Braille, I am able not to speak only on, off my feet, but, all, and, but also to speak in formal presentations with, and I know people use other adaptation for, forms, and they do it very well. But what many of those people have said to me, including a blind person who is an ambassador himself, including a blind person who is, a, who is in, an, in, 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 in a high-profile legal department and government, and so on, is if I knew Braille, I can get to information a little quicker like you can. And I can make much more formalized w presentation within a meeting, not just a presentation based on my... As I, get, as I get older, Braille becomes more important because then the memory isn't as always as good. <laughs> so that is very important. So I, 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 I will talk more about this Braille... Um, Revelation, in a way, tomorrow um, when I speak with the Braille group. But I think it's important that I say that and share that in the broader context now so that people understand that, that I don't think Braille is important without technology. I think Braille and technology is not, and, and you guys, all of you have heard that almost every day here. Braille, is, Braille and technology goes together. It enhances. It makes us better. It makes us more equal. makes us more equitable. <coughs> So those, those, those issues are issues that we face. I want to leave you with a few, more, a, few, a few more things around the broader scope because I believe the broad issues are the point. The seat at the table for persons who are blind and their organizations. As I said, we have fought the advocacy battle and we have gotten a, a milestone. We now have to broaden our, we now have to broaden our, our, I don't want to say horizon, our scope of interaction. We cannot change and bring about real change for persons who are blind at all levels, and I mean all levels, without being fully inclusive within our context in, in, in policy development, in being at the table. We cannot do it by being amongst ourselves or only amongst persons, organizations of persons who are blind or organizations of persons with disabilities. We have to be fully inclusive. It is important to me when I see persons with disability challenge for, program, for opportunities that are not normally challenged, but normally, um, normally charged as, an, as a specialized opportunity for persons with disabilities or persons who are blind. Last year, we had a young woman from Spain who campaigned to, be, to seek a seat at the table in one of the broader United Nations committees she did not win, but it was an excellent opportunity because what she did by her, her challenge is that she broadened the horizon and people began to say, okay, she, blind person can fight equal opportunity battles and that you are not just seeking a place on the table of uh, the expected table. You are bringing the difference. The difference, I tell you, is when you are engaged with everybody, not only amongst ourselves. 
And I, I, I know that from, again, being in the, in the discussions in the United Nations. And I believe I'm speaking to the choir here. You people all know this. But we have to find ourselves in town hall meetings. We have to find ourselves at the policy table with others while we campaign for what we need for uh, the, the community of persons who are blind. We must recognize that that, is be, that, that your competition is everybody. And our, our, our advocacy for opportunity is based on the rights of the person, the human rights of the person. And that human rights respect, is the respect of all people. The SDGs, where I began, its campaign focus is no leaving no one behind. If we take that seriously and point towards that, whether the person is blind or the person is poor, or regardless of the circumstances that the individual faces, that person will be brought to the table. The needs of that person will be brought to the table. I want to summarize by saying there are two, by saying the, the, champ, the main issues for me that we need to look at to change circumstances are employment, education, and a recognition of the changing face of the society we live in and therefore the changing face of the community of persons who are blind. I thank you again for the opportunity to speak to you. Thank you, Robert. Okay. I've, been, I've been asked to, to clarify what the SDG is. The SDG is the Sustainable Development Goals. Just permit me to say two minutes, two seconds about the, the Sustainable Development Goals is the international agenda set by the world in, in 2015 that it's called, you might hear it be referred to as the 2030 agenda. It's the agenda that the world has set to 17 goals to, to address the question of poverty and broadly to address the question of development, inclusion of persons with disabilities, inclusion of women, and inclusion of all people and addressing the question of climate change for societies that it addressed. All of those goals are signed on by every single 193 United Nations countries and including our own here, the United States, and the agenda to um, help to um, provide equal opportunity for equal services for all people in all communities. And um, it's an aspirational agenda, an agenda that we all seek to. Thank you, Aubrey. Thank you. And you can have an opportunity to hear more from Aubrey this afternoon for luncheon with the Multicultural Affairs Committee, um, a panel discussion in that group at 1.30-ish tomorrow morning at the Braille Revival League International Breakfast and tomorrow afternoon at the Voices from Around the World luncheon for the International Relations Committee. We are keeping Aubrey very busy while he is here. So thank you, Aubrey, for all of your presentations. For this one in particular, I think your message really resonated with all of us. Thank you. I have to say that we are so lucky to hear that you're... No, you're
Aren't we lucky to have had such an inspirational speech? We need to be reminded of those type of issues from time to time. Yeah, let's hear it for Aubrey. Thank you. Okay. Shelly Foley, or uh, Hart, excuse me. I'm, that's because I knew her back when. Shelly, are you here at the podium? Okay, we're getting her here. We have awards to give. That is always fun. And um, the co-chair of that committee, Rochelle Hart, is making her way here to give us some membership and some other awards. I'm not quite sure which ones she's giving today. We'll let her tell us. And... She is making her way. All right, here she is. Let's hear it from the, the chair of the co-chair of the committee. All right, the, it's right. Marjorie Beeman, the head table would like you to return with Mr. Webson. One moment. She just scooped him away, and off they went. We weren't quite done with him yet. <laughs> I am short. <laughs> we are just organizing the uh, microphone up here for those of us who are short. Okay, and good morning to everyone at ACB. And uh, I am very honored to have the opportunity again this year to co-chair the awards committee. Unfortunately, my co-chair, Chip Haley, was not able to make it this year. And I don't remember what he said about me when he was here last year, but I'll, I'll think of something before my next presentation. Anyway, um, we had some really great awards to present. Let me quickly run through my committee members. Uh, as I said, Chip Haley from Missouri, Jean Mann from New York, um, Judy Jackson from Virginia, Peter Altushall from Missouri, and Janet Dickelman from Minnesota. And I don't think I left anybody out. If I did, let me know. I'm sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Is that better? All right. Okay, I have a very special award to present. And this one is the Derwood K. McDaniel Ambassador Award. And let me tell you just a little bit about it. It's given in honor of ACB's founding father and first national representative. It is presented to a recipient who exhibits a very positive image for blindness in his or her community. This gentleman is one of the only totally blind UN ambassadors ever to serve in the United Nations. He has, he has many responsibilities and is most adept at, at doing them all. He is also serving presently as the chair of UNICEF board. A native of Antigua and Barbados, this man began his career as executive director of the Caribbean Council for the Blind and continued with important work on behalf of Helen Keller International and Sightsavers International. 
He was appointed as the new director of Perkins International in 2011. He led strategic and operational efforts, expanding Perkins' work in over 65 countries. With his previous work on blindness efforts in the Caribbean and Africa, he brought extensive international experience to this position. Before being named Perkins International Director, he served for more than 15 years as program coordinator of the Institutional Development Program. Prior to that, he was with Sightsavers International and Helen Keller International, where he advised the HKI African and Caribbean Development Programs. From 1981 to 1987, he was the Chief Executive of the Caribbean Council for the Blind and has also served as adjunct professor or guest lecturer at Wheelock College, East Nazarene College, Boston University, Boston College, the University of South Africa, University of Bender, and Uganda College of Special Education. And it is my privilege and the privilege of the 2017 Awards Committee to present this year Derwood K. McDaniel Ambassador Award to Dr. Aubrey Webson. Those accolades are more than, more than I knew, Michelle. Thank well, you so much. You know, <laughs> you. I felt like I was retelling your story because we'd already heard it, and it was such a wonderful story. Um, very quickly, and I don't think I said this to begin with, our plaques are not here yet. As soon as your plaque <laughs> they went the way, same way as the programs, I believe. Anyway, what, what the plaque does say, though, let me read that for you. It says, Derwood K. McDaniel Ambassador Award presented to Dr. W. Aubrey Webson for his exemplary service to people who are blind around the world and for his innovative <coughs> approach to seeing people who are blind in new ways. July 2nd, 2017, Sparks, Nevada. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Yes, please. I thank you very much, Michelle. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you so much, ACB. Thank you very much. It's, some, it's an honor, unexpected, but indeed an honor that my family and I graciously appreciate and accept. Thank you all. I just wanted to say... When Kim asked me and told me about this, I want, one of the things I wanted to be sure I said that this honor of, of any award I receive for my personal accomplishment is an accomplishment of my family and myself. And I mean my extended family from in Antigua because I believe had it not been for my family, my family's willingness to, de to deal with inclusion before inclusion was fashionable, <laughs> I would not be where I am. So I received this in the name of my ancestors and in the name of my family. Thank you very much. Congratulations. <coughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you again. Oh, so Thank you. Dennis is here somewhere. I don't know if he wants to take a picture. Oh, is Dennis here? Dennis Burt. Dennis. He's our photographer. Photographer Dennis. <laughs>
I'm to the podium. Not at the moment. <laughs> okay. Okay. All no. right. All right. Well, okay. then, thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, I also have a couple. Well, let's see. step over. I also have a couple of affiliate growth awards to present. It's always a privilege to be able to present these two because um, we have a lot of people who do a lot of work in this organization. <laughs> I've spoken to two members from these affiliates, so hopefully they have representatives here. Um, these are the affiliate growth awards. The first is the percentage award, and this affiliate more than tripled its membership this year. It grew by 327%. The winner is Visually Impaired Veterans of America. And accepting for Viva, I believe, is uh, David Dolan. If he's here. Is David here? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got somebody with him. It, I could just have him talk for a moment. Yeah. I don't have a plot. Okay. Oh, okay. While he is coming to the microphone, I will read what the plaque says. It says, Affiliate Growth Award presented to Visually Impaired Veterans of America in recognition of the largest percentage of membership increase in 2017, July 2nd, um, 2017 Sparks, Nevada. I just want to say thanks to a, a couple of states who responded very well, uh, Minnesota and Washington State really came through with a lot of new members for us. And uh, now if we can just get all of these vets to come to convention, we'll, uh, we'll be doing well. I spent a lot of time on emails and snail mail and telephone and... Uh, I think it paid off, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations to Viva. All right, my next affiliate growth award is, oh, wait a minute, hold on one second. I'm going to switch pages. Here we go. Um, is for the number of new members. This affiliate added 65 new members this year. Congratulations to the Utah Council of the Blind. And accepting for the Utah Council of the Blind affiliate, I believe, is Anna Jeffrey, if she's in the room. Are you here, Anna? Okay, good deal. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as Utah Council of the Blind, it is honored to accept this award. Um, I believe that our growth is through some of our phenomenal programs. Um, Braille transcription, um, teacher trainer, reader, and um, transportation are some of our programs that help us to reach out to our members in Utah. So thank you so much. Thank you. 
Congratulations to the Utah Council of the Blind and to Viva. And this is all from the awards committee at this point. You'll hear more from us later in the week. All right, and if Susan Glass and the other BOP representative, Deb Cook, you're here? All right. Okay. So now we have, as Kim just said, we have two members from the Board of Publications up here to present the Vernon Henley and Nettie Freeman Awards, a couple of extremely impressive uh, individuals, uh, Susan Glass and Deb Cook-Lewis. So ladies, take it away. Looking for the right person to be first. She's not here. Well, no, she's here. I don't know. Okay. Can you just go ahead, or is it crucial? Yeah, I, I think one of them. I don't have the other one. Oh, she's coming. Susan? Okay, sorry. She's arriving. Okay. Thank you. I just get this loaded. My apologies. I found my way up here, and now my. I will. Okay. Oh, well, we're live now, aren't we? Okay. One moment here. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Yes. I, I, I know I'm doing it. Thank you so much. Oh, I just lost my... I'm sorry. I'm having technical difficulties. Just bear with me. Sorry. The Ned E. Freeman Excellence in Writing Award was instituted in 1970 and will be awarded based on the following criteria. An article must have been first published between April of 2016 and March 2017. All articles published in the ACB Braille Forum in all forms and formats are automatically eligible for consideration. Individual articles published by any ACB affiliate in its official publication may also be nominated by the affiliate's president or editor. Articles which have not appeared in the ACB Braille Forum in all forms and formats may be submitted in any format. The article must demonstrate excellence in writing 
novelty of approach and or originality of the subject matter. The author of the winning article will receive a plaque and a cash prize of $100 at the annual ACB conference and convention. Any individual who has won a Board of Publications award since 2013 is ineligible to receive the same award prior to January 1 of 2018. I um, was the humble and honored recipient of this award in 2014, and I can tell you it was a wonderful surprise. Um, it was a piece I had written about audio description in Washington, D.C., and it was just a real honor. Um, today's award winner um, is Jamie Pauls, and he is receiving this award for an article that he wrote in which he discusses UEB, Unified English Braille Code, and English Braille Code, and um, produces an extremely balanced and um, well-rounded approach um, to that discussion. And um, I had the text of that back on the table, um, yeah, the, the text of the plaque. <clears throat> but anyway, um, this, uh, this award is presented to Mr. Jamie Pulse. And he's coming. And if I could get that paper, I can read it. Wow, well thank you very much. Um, it's a real honor um, to be able to write um, articles um, for Access World with AFB and then also to have that published in the ACB Braille Forum. Um, I guess when I write articles, I try to write things that, that I'm interested in and I try to approach them in a way that I hope if you do a Google search for a, a subject and that pops up, that what I've written will answer some questions for you. So. Apparently, I was able to do that with some success. So thank you all very much. I'm very humbled, and I really appreciate it. And I do know how to get into the microphone. I'm on ACB radio, so here I am. Um, I just wanted to mention very briefly before I do the Vernon Henley Award that this year we did not receive nominations for the Liggett Award. And that award goes to newsletters, affiliate newsletters that are outstanding. And my affiliate has won this award in the past. And I want to encourage all of you in your affiliates to consider whether your affiliate can be nominated for this award because um, it's a real honor. And I know we have some fine um, newsletters out there. The Vernon Henley Media Award is given each year uh, to someone who has really made a difference in, um, in the media or has had a media presentation. They can be part of this organization. They don't have to be. This year's Media Award winner is uh, really someone who uh, works tirelessly for this uh, organization, uh, um, produces ACB reports and gets it out there for everyone, makes sure that it's available to all the radio reading services, and our winner this year for the Vernon Henley Media Award is uh, Mike Duke. And I'm thrilled with this. 
Yeah, and we know he's here, and he should be on his way. We'll read the, when he's here, we'll read the text of the invisible plaque. I know that these plaques couldn't arrive because I have so many shipping horror sagas that when the shipper learned that I might be presenting one, they said, well, we just don't have to bring them. So I know that's the case. He's on his way. Okay, very good. I want to just remind you while uh, Mike is on his way that uh, we uh, will be having our... Um, Board of Publications Workshop. We've always called it the Editor's Workshop, but it's absolutely not limited to editors. Um, if you want to bring your writing to the next level, join us on Wednesday afternoon for that, and uh, that'll be just great. All right, Mike is here. So uh, reading the uh, invisible plaque, I hope they come soon, the Vernon Henley Media Award presented to Mike Duke uh, for his tireless work on ACB reports and representing ACB in its best light to radio reading services nationwide. Congratulations, and thank you so much, Mike. Wow. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> I'm getting there. There we go. All right. Wow, thank you, guys. And uh, I want to say... Uh, First of all, thank you to the members of the Board of Publications for choosing to honor me with this award. Having served on the Board of Publications in the past, <clears throat> I know these decisions aren't made lightly, and uh, they're not, this award isn't given every year, like was mentioned earlier about the other award. So uh, it's, it's, I really appreciate it. I've had a lot of support in my involvement with ACB reports and that support began with uh, with my wife Kathleen who is my biggest fan and biggest supporter and the, was the first person to learn that Laura Oftedal had called me to ask me to take over the program she called me about about this time of the year in 2005 and said how about January 2006 sounds like a good day <coughs> and so uh, you know, I told her, okay, and uh, Kathleen said, go for it, and uh, so I thank Laura for that and also for setting an outstanding professional standard for ACB reports ahead of me. My friend Jay Dalna has helped with some, some voice uh, transition work between pieces and, and filled in for me one time when I was babysitting Mitch's frog. Uh, <laughs> My employer, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, also said, do it. And uh, they allowed me at the, in the beginning and continue now to allow me to do a lot of the work associated with producing the show uh, in the uh, studios that uh, I work in every day at work. I have and, and can produce the entire show from home, but it sure is nice to, to do it down there in the real studios. <coughs> I wish also to acknowledge Vernon Henley. It was his idea and vision to create ACB reports as an outreach tool to the radio reading service audience. Now, at that time, it was only the radio reading service audience, but Mr. Henley would be very proud to see ACB reports now available on ACB radio as a part of uh, many radio reading service streams, including mine back in Mississippi, and uh, 
just in so many places that, you know, in 1985 when the show began, nobody would have ever dreamed of. And finally, thanks to ACB for a long-term investment. Some of you may not know this, but back in Y2K when ACB was 39, <laughs> we were still 30-something, and ACB Radio was a baby that needed to be nurtured in order for it to grow. Then President Paul Edwards, ACB Radio Director Jonathan Mosen, and some others, I think Brian Charlson had a part, uh, had something to do with putting it together. He was also part of the workshop. A day before the convention, these guys put together a workshop on the, uh, how to use SoundForge, which is an audio editing program, piece of software. And I was invited to participate in that workshop. And the skills that, that we all learned that day <clears throat> brought several new voices to ACB Radio. Marlena was in there, and uh, Paul and Brian, as I mentioned, and, and many others. It enabled me to bring some new skill sets to my job at uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, and ultimately to ACB Reports. So thanks again for what I consider a, uh, a long-term investment that still pays great dividends. <clears throat> I would also be remiss, yeah, the technology and the software are wonderful tools. But every time you hear me introduce a segment of ACB reports, there's Braille beneath my fingers. And it would be very challenging for me not to have that Braille there. Even though one of my friends at, back home, who's now a state senator, he and I were working together one morning, and we were, he was frantically trying to find the weather forecast, so I picked up my Braille sheet, and I held it up toward the window, and he said, put that down. Your writing gives me goosebumps. <laughs> so, so... So call it what you want. It's a, it's a wonderful tool. Thank you again, ACB, for a great recognition that I will display proudly and for the privilege of being part of the American Council of the Blind. Okay. Thank you, and congratulations to all of our award winners. They're outstanding. So I, we've been running a little behind. I've been cutting introductions short. Um, and I'm going to do the same thing now um, because we're going to have another return speaker. It's our day for return speakers. Um, he's been with us before uh, to give us an update on the, the CBAA, opportunities and successes. News from the FCC is uh, Will Shell, who's an attorney uh, with the advisor Attorney Advisor with the Disability Rights Office from the Federal Communications Commission. Will? Hey. All right, so is the microphone loud enough? Wow. All right. Woo, okay. Is the microphone loud enough? So good morning, everyone. It's still morning. Uh, my name is Will Shell. 
I'm a blind attorney at the Disability Rights Office of the FCC, and I have some good news. I'm so happy to be here, and I want to thank everyone for allowing me to say the, uh, a few words. But before I get into the good news, I want to say that the uh, Disability Rights Office and the FCC in general, we have various rules regarding accessibility requirements for TVs, telephones, and other devices that use advanced communication services for playing video programming. <clears throat> for example, telecommunication devices have to be accessible. They have to be compatible with accessibility uh, devices like braille displays. They have to be usable and they have to, they have to be um, have to be usable in, in that you, you can actually read the user manual in an accessible format if you're inclined enough to read the user manual of a telephone. Um, <clears throat> we have rules that require captioning on TV and on the internet. We have rules that require text messaging and email and instant messaging be accessible. We have rules that require internet browsers on mobile phones be accessible. We have rules that require that emergency information on television and on mobile phones be accessible. So we have a whole bunch of rules and there's always kind of interesting and new updates and progress being made on all of those rules plus many more. And uh, I wanted to mention that a great way to kind of follow the FCC's disability um, work is on our listserv, which you can... Uh, write to and ask to subscribe. It's at accessinfo at fcc.gov. So for some of the good news, our office does more than just promulgate rules for accessibility. We also administer the National Deafblind Equipment Distribution Program. <clears throat> I think some people call it I Can Connect but uh, I call it the National Deafblind Equipment Distribution Program. Um, that's a $10 million a year program that distributes telecommunication equipment to people who are low income and who are deafblind. Uh, it helps them gain access to the communication network. The National Deafblind <laughs> Equipment Distribution Program started as a pilot program July 1st, 2012 and has operated as a pilot program since then, well, as of yesterday, July 1st, uh, the National Deafblind Distribution, Equipment Distribution Program has become a permanent program. Well, more good news. Let's talk about emergency information. So, if you are blind and watching television, and you hear that emergency information noise. It's different for different channels and things, but it's generally a beep, beep, beep type of a noise. Uh, you may want to turn on the secondary audio stream. The secondary audio stream, uh, that, is the, that is the one that plays Spanish or sometimes described video. Well, that secondary audio stream also reads out loud the emergency information, which is scrolling along the bottom of the screen. 
I don't have to tell you that sometimes this information is important. Well, the good news is that starting on July 10th, so just eight days from now, cable and satellite and fiber TV services will be required to pass through the secondary audio stream containing... <laughs> all right. <laughs> containing the audible emergency information when they permit their customers to watch regular television programming on a second screen device. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try to clarify. But that is um, blind, and visually impaired, uh, blind and visually impaired customers should have access to the same emergency information that is presented visually. And just because we have all now started watching television on our smartphones and tablets doesn't mean that we should be left out of the critical emergency information. So this rule requires that the cable and satellite companies send that emergency information onto the device that you're watching television on, um, the second screen as we are calling it. Hey. <laughs> Now, I should just add um, a, little bit of, a little bit of extra information. It's not for, it's, this rule's not applicable to watching television on your uh, smartphone when you're in the Starbucks. This, is, this rule is applicable to watching television on your second screen device over the cable or satellite company's network or broadband network that they're also providing you. So it's over their own network, uh, generally, uh, generally to say. So that's just my one, uh, my one caveat. So you should also keep in mind that there must be a simple and easy to use mechanism to turn on the secondary audio stream. <laughs> now, I have some more good news. But before I touch on that, I want to remind everyone about the FCC's rules that came out about six months ago that require set-top boxes to be accessible and devices that play video programming to be accessible. So in this context, we're talking about accessible user interfaces for people who are blind or visually impaired. We're talking about people who are blind or visually impaired being able to operate and use all or nearly all of the functions of a device, such as the settings, menus, the other menus, the channel selection, start, stop, fast forward, all the, all the other uh, you know, generalized video playback controls. Uh, most of this is accomplished through a speech synthesizer. Well, these rules uh, have, uh, I just want to mention, these rules have separate requirements for cable and satellite and fiber TV services, and there are separate requirements for all of the other video playback devices. So let me just start with the cable, satellite, and fiber TV services. If you're a cable or satellite or fiber TV subscriber of one of the top 14 cable and satellite companies, they must provide you with an accessible set-top box to uh, blind or visually impaired customers right now. 
All other cable and satellite companies, besides the top 14, all others have to provide an accessible set-top box by December 20th, 2018. If a blind and visually impaired customer requests an accessible set-top box, the cable company has to provide it at no additional charge. So if you're paying $100 a month and you request an accessible set-top box, your bill should continue to be $100 no matter if they have to provide you with sophisticated equipment or take some sort of heroic measures to get you the accessible set-top box. They have to make it generally easy to get. They have to have an accessible website which lists how you can speak to someone to find out more information. That person has to be able to explain how to get one of these devices and there has to be someone to explain how to actually operate the accessible uh, functions on these devices. Many of the cable and satellite companies are demonstrating their accessible user interfaces out in the vendor area. So you should go and talk to them and see what's going on. Over the last six months, I've been receiving complaints about the accessible set-top boxes and things are getting better. Now the cable companies have some, I just want to mention the cable companies do have some flexibility in how they achieve accessible user interfaces. Some companies have set-top boxes. Others have an accessible tablet app that will control the set-top box. And others have a different add-on device. They're allowed to do this, but at the end of the day, it has to be usable. Now, if you're unsure if your cable or satellite company's accessible solution meets our rules, you should give me a call. Or you can file a complaint with my office. I will give out the, my email address and uh, explain how to file a complaint by the end. The other set of accessible user interface rules covers any device that plays video programming. These are things like TVs and smart TVs and tablets and smartphones and removable media players, which are those things like an Apple TV or Roku or an Amazon Fire Stick. These rules also apply to the accessibility of computers that play video programming, which is almost all, all computers. Um, but also things that you may not expect, like my favorite example, I'm looking for the smart, t uh, smart refrigerator that can play video programming, because if it can play video programming, it has to have accessibility features built into it, as per our rules. Also, you should know that the rear entertainment systems in all of the new cars that are coming out, those headrests that are in the back, those have to have accessible features built into them so that who's ever utilizing that um, rear entertainment system can operate the video programming on it. So the accessibility rules apply to these devices and to any pre-installed apps or video players that come with the device. It also applies to apps or players that a user is directed to download from the manufacturer or the seller. The accessibility rules are not applicable to just any old app that you can find on the App Store, but many of these devices come with hundreds of apps pre-installed on them. Uh, these devices must be accessible when they are manufactured on or after December 20th, 2016, so just six months ago. So they are starting to show up now. The manufacturing process is starting to deliver these manufactured devices. 
And you can find accessible TVs from multiple manufacturers right now in the store. Just the store that everyone goes to. These aren't special disability-related products. These are the products that are showing up in the technology uh, retail stores. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, you can find accessible DVD players. Um, most of these, uh, as I was saying, are not some sort of special disability device. They're, they're just in there. But uh, you should check with the manufacturer, get on their websites, try to find out, you know, do some research ahead of time because they're not required to make every single device accessible. They are required to uh, have a broader range of accessibility. Um, so I always like to emphasize that you know, television and telecommunications equipment and stuff like that, it's not, it's not a trivial matter. You know, blind people watch just as much video programming as non-blind people do. We pay significant amounts of money for these devices and for the subscription services uh, like the TV. And, uh, you know, TV and video programming is inextricably intertwined with our society and culture. Now, all of these devices, as I've said, and I'm going to just keep saying it, all of these devices must have a simple and easy-to-use mechanism to turn on and off the secondary audio stream, like a button or a key or an icon. And if you cannot turn on the secondary audio stream quickly, you will not be able to listen to the emergency information announcement. If you cannot turn on and off the secondary audio stream, you won't be able to listen to the described video. And that's what my other good news is. Right now, the FCC has a rule which requires that the most popular channels provide described video on the secondary audio stream. As uh, this is a fairly, uh, this is an audience that I can fair, you know, pretty much be assured knows what described video is. But just in case you're not familiar, <laughs> described video is audio narrated descriptions of a television program's key visual elements. These short verbal descriptions of action or key visual scenes in a program, such as the setting, costumes, and facial expressions, are provided to add context. And the descriptions are inserted into the pauses of the program's dialogue. And normally, you listen to the descriptions by turning on the secondary audio stream. Our rules right now require that local TV station affiliates of ABC and CBS, Fox and NBC, uh, in the top 60 TV markets, they're required to have 50 hours per quarter, per calendar quarter, of video described primetime or children's programming. And that's also the case for the top five non-broadcast networks, which is Disney Channel, History uh, Channel, TBS, TNT, and USA. They also have to have 50 hours per quarter of video described primetime or children's programming. Okay, whew. The good news is that the FCC has scheduled a vote on whether to expand the amount of hours of video description. The vote is scheduled, I know, hey, wait, wait to hear this. The vote is scheduled for July 13th. Yeah. <laughs> and if the item is passed, the amount of described video will increase by 
That will bring the amount of described video up from 50 hours per quarter for each network to 87 and a half hours per quarter for each network. And I should mention that if you would like to comment on this item uh, that, you uh, that is about to be voted on, you can go to fcc.gov slash ECFS. No, Will, this audience is about to comment on that item. <laughs> <And> well, <laughs> make sure to comment on docket number 11-43. That's... FCC.gov slash ECFS. That is our um, Federal Communication Commission's um, commenting uh, portal. The docket number is 11 43. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're going to um, recognize, go ahead, go ahead and stay right here. We're going to recognize for a resolution on that very topic, um, uh, two, okay. on that very topic, um, Mark Reichert, our resolutions committee chair. And while he is doing that, Oral Miller, if you could get to a mic, we're going to have you, in a, when he is done, discuss today's, just today's recreation zone activities because we are getting... Um, woefully behind time here. So, Mark, take it away. With that, good morning, folks. Mark Reichert, your resolutions chair. I need to mention two housekeeping things for you. Number one, if you are interested in dropping off, submitting resolutions, you got to do it today. You got to do it by 9 p.m. You can bring it to our room at Central Pacific A and B. Central Pacific A and B is on the East Tower, third floor. Just follow the Arctic blast when you get off of the <laughs> elevator, and you will be able to find our room, no problem, if you don't freeze to death. Uh, you are welcome to email me, mreichert at afb.net, M-R-I-C-H-E-R-T at afb.net. Thank you so much. And by the way, if you don't think resolutions don't matter, uh, you need to have your head examined. Uh, this organization and several of us worked very, very hard with the FCC to make sure that they actually hired some staff for the first time with some blindness expertise uh, when we're dealing with all of these issues in the CVAA. And lo and behold, we have an incarnation of your resolutions work in the form of Will Chell. So let's congratulate him for his work. Will, we're not saying that you owe your job to us, but we're glad that you're there. We really, really are. Uh, and thank you so much, the FCC, for responding. We have two resolutions. The first one is uh, on listings of audio description. And if you all adopt this sucker, this will be 201701. Whereas the multiplicity of TV programming delivery methods available today, along with the growth in the number of markets... Uh, where audio-described television programming is available, has the potential to exponentially increase the demand for audio description. And whereas for this anticipated increased demand to be satisfied, consumers of described television must have a convenient and reliable means for browsing among and selecting audio-described programming. And whereas, at this time, other than the manually gathered American Council of the Blind's audio description project website listing, 
There is no reliable automated digital listing fed by the broadcast and non-broadcast networks that electronic program guides can incorporate to provide uh, consumers with timely and accurate notice of all available audio-described programming. And whereas such a listing would uh, better enable set-top boxes to provide consumers with ready access to audio description via uh, meaningful electronic program guides. And whereas for well over a decade there has been a commitment to ensure that all closed caption programs are appropriately listed in electronic program guides. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to read uh, our resolve clauses. As usual, we're going to be skipping over the boilerplate language about where we're doing this and the date. Uh, but we, will, of course, will insert that. Now, therefore, be it resolved, ellipsis, that this organization strongly urges the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, to exercise all appropriate authority to require the broadcast and non-broadcast networks to establish and or join an automated digital listing of all available audio-described programming. (coughs) And be it further resolved that the FCC monitor uh, such listings on an ongoing basis for quality assurance uh, and to ensure that such listings provide consumers of audio-described programming with a level of service equal to that provided today to consumers of closed caption television. Okay. Madam President, or whoever the oh, heck is uh, running the show, we, yeah, the, the Resolutions Committee no. recommends a do pass, and I so move. Second. All those in favor, say aye. Aye. All opposed. The, the resolution has passed. All right. Thank you. That is 2701. We shall now deal with the next one. While you're pulling it up, if Jamie is still in the room, go for it. we have your awards plaque. If you raise your hand, we'll get it to you. And Mike, we can give you yours too. All right, go. Hold on. He's pulling it up. You want? Shall we do oral? Well, okay. Oral, are you at a mic? A few feet ahead of you, oral. I'm told. (laughs) Okay, there is one much more convenient than uh, any of us knew about. Just Monday's activities. We'll put you on again tomorrow. Actually, there won't be any need for that because we had some difficulties here, as you know, with the Braille program. You know, it did not arrive uh, until until a couple of days after it was scheduled to get here. So uh, uh, what I have... uh, decided to do is to let people know where they can get the information about activities that will be going on at this convention. These activities relate to such 
worthwhile things as, and such beneficial things as swimming, under the direction of uh, Mrs. Coors, and uh, also uh, yoga and Pilates. And uh, I'm sure there are other physical activities that will be incorporated in the program, which none of us have had an opportunity to examine yet. And uh, I'm going to refer everyone to page 146 on the Braille program. 146 on the Braille program to get a summary of activities just for uh, the next two or three days. And uh, that will get you a start on things like the recreation zone and uh, other activities that are definitely necessary and appropriate uh, on, shall I describe this as a cool day? <laughs> At least in this room, it's a cool day. <laughs> all right. That concludes Thank my Thank you, Oral. Yes, Thanks. we need to all be otters in this environment. Where we can <laughs> Thank around. you very much. I know we're Thanks. rushed for time. So, Mr. Chair, this will be, if you this body acts on it, 2017-02. Y'all get it ready to get a little loud out there and get excited? Yeah. yeah. Come on, light up, for God's sake, goodness sake, excuse me. <laughs> Whereas current law, as provided by the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, CVAA, requires only a small number of television networks to carry a few hours of audio-described programming per quarter, amounting to a fraction of all TV programming available today. And whereas nearly 100% of all available TV programming is currently closed-captioned, while only a tiny proportion of programming is currently being described. And whereas, instead of creating new audio-described material, a number of old programs and movies are simply being repeated by certain networks, and whereas the CBAA authorizes the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, to incrementally increase the number of hours of audio-described programming from the current level of 50 hours per calendar quarter up to 87.5 hours a quarter for each of the mandated broadcast and non-broadcast networks. And whereas at long last the FCC has finally announced that commissioners will vote on a proposal to mandate such an incremental increase in the number of required uh, described TV hours at its July 13th, 27 public meeting. Woohoo! Come on, come on, you guys, light up. And whereas, and whereas the more than 24.7 million Americans who live with significant vision loss today continue to impatiently wait for the long overdue day when audio description is available for each and every television program. Now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization strongly urges each of the commissioners of the Federal Communications Commission to order an increase in the total number of required hours of audio description up to the CVAA's allowable statutory maximum, and we recommend a due pass exclamation point, and I so move.
And if anybody votes against us, they're living in a cocoon. We'll let you know what All the doors are say aye. 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 All opposed. And the resolution is adopted. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any announcements? I will recognize them. Oh, yes, yeah, Doug Powell from Virginia. All right, one moment. I just want to ask if our door prize team is now ready. Yes. Kathy Welsh and Barry Powers. Yes? Okay, hold on. I'm going to recognize um, Doug Powell. Madam Chair. But we are going to do door prizes. And I think I hear Shell. Yes, you do. So hold on. Doug Powell, please. Thank you. Um, the B Board of Publications, in conjunction with the CCLVI, has been working on a survey to make sure that large print users of ACB information have the uh, have the uh, the information in the formats that they're comfortable in reading. And we have uh, uh, Leslie Spoon, Donna Pomerantz, um, Sarah Conrad, and Zelda Gephardt have copies of that survey. They are also available at the uh, information desk. We need everybody's input, whether you're a CCLVI member or not. If you use large print, please fill out a survey so that the Board of Publications can promulgate some kind of uh, guidelines for ACB materials. That's uh, announcement one. Announcement two, if you are an, a, a, an affiliate leader, please come to the, um, the uh, uh, Rehabilitation Issues Task Force and uh, Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss uh, session this afternoon called Future of Older Blind Programs. First of all, it's an opportunity for us to talk about uh, advocacy uh, in programs where employment is not an outcome. And then also, we're going to have Larry uh, Johnson, who uh, is, uh, has worked on uh, legislation that passed in Texas. And he's going to tell us what that legislation is, but also tell us how he, how he got it done, which is valuable for everybody in every state on every issue. So we're at 245 in Ponderosa B for that session. Thank you very much. All right, we'll recognize Shell. Madam Chair, the, the plaques are here. I want to give a thanks and shout out to Sharon Lovering who brought them all in here and, and found us to let us know they were here. Um, we have, with us, we have the, the one for the Utah Council and for Viva, and of course we have Dr. Uh, Dr. Webson's here too. And we'll bring them up front. Um, be right in front of the stage if you want to find Steve Hart or myself, Shelly Hart, and, and pick up your plaque. Otherwise, we can contact, you can contact us okay. in room 1863. We'll have your plaque. Thank you. And, and I would be willing to personally carry it to the MCAC luncheon where I know Dr. Webson will be next. That so, great. And I'm going. Jamie, if you will come down front. Huh? Jamie, if you will come down front, we can get you your plaque. Are you ready for a door prize? Yeah. You deserve it. Okay, everybody, this is Barry Powers. And the first prize, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, cool. The first prize is the Nevada Cobalt Blue Box, shaped like the state of Nevada, and has 25 silver Eisenhower dollars. And the first name is? Hang on. Kim Charlson? <laughs> oh, Nigel, Rich Nigel Richard? Rick Rickard? 
Nigel Rickard, are you here? Are you here? I think he's standing up and waving his arms around. Is that you? Happy person? Oh, lucky. All right, are you set? How about one more? One more? It's a $20, a $20 door prize from the Illinois Council of the Blind. And the person, the winner is Cindy Van Winkle. <laughs> is she here? I think I would know if she was here. I don't hear her. Oh. All right, let's draw again. Put her back in the, the bag. Sasha Samoa? No, I don't think they are here. <laughs> yeah, but they're frozen. Huh? Got another name for yeah, us? When you leave early, you snooze and you lose. I didn't catch that. I'm sorry. When you leave early, you snooze. Oh, you and lose. lose. That's exactly true. Do we have another name? David Trot. He is not here. He's probably off doing something. So we'll draw again. Celeste Battistoni. Celeste? No, she's not here. Darn. That's right. There are people here. Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Fingers are cold and the papers are sticking. <laughs> Peter Korn. Peter, are you here? All right, Peter. Yes. Okay. He is. Oh, all right. All Peter. right. Congratulations. Another win for Amazon. This oh, is all right. This is their lucky day among many lucky days. <laughs> raise your hand, please. All right, I'll let you close. Peter, raise your hand. All right, we stand in recess until tomorrow at 8.30. Nope. And come in early and hear our wonderful entertainment. So we'll see you tomorrow. Okay, that concludes today's session. I'm going to leave you with the agenda for tomorrow's session. So take it away, Debbie, and we'll talk to you this afternoon. Here is the agenda for Monday, July 3rd beginning in the Rose Ballroom at 8 a.m. Entertainment, Vicki Curley, Rotunda, West Florida. 8.30 a.m. Invocation, Sarah Conrad, Madison, Wisconsin. Pledge of Allegiance 2017 Scholarship Winners, 8.35 a.m. ACB Business, ACB Sponsor Recognitions, Marjorie Beeman. Advertising and Sponsorship Coordinator, Austin, Texas. Diamond Sponsor Presentation, Renee Arrington Johnson, Senior Industrial Engineer of General Motors, GM, and Chair, GM's 
People with Disabilities Employee Resource Group, Lindhurst, Ohio. Emerald Sponsor Presentation, Sprint, Kelly Egan. Customer Relations Manager, Sprint, Blindness, Low Vision, Outreach, San Diego, California. Ruby Sponsor Presentation, VFO. Ron Miller, Hardware Product Manager, St. Petersburg, Florida. Ruby Sponsor Presentation, Humanware. Jim Sullivan, Regional Account Manager, Central USA, Hudson, Ohio. Nominating Committee Report, Mitch Pomerantz, Chair, Pasadena, California. Constitution and Bylaws, John Huffman, Chair, Indianapolis, Indiana. Resolutions, Mark Reichert, Chair, Arlington, Virginia. Presiding Officer, John McCann, ACB Second Vice President, Tucson, Arizona. 9.15 a.m., 2017 ACB Scholarship Presentations, Reverend Michael Garrett, Chair, Scholarship Committee, Missouri City, Texas. 10.15 a.m. break, 10.30 a.m., Structured Negotiations, An Attorney's Journey from Courtrooms to Client Settlements, Laney Feingold, author of Structured Negotiations, A Winning Alternative to Lawsuits, Berkeley, California. 10.55 a.m., New Strategic Destinations and Directions at the American Foundation for the Blind, Kirk Adams, President and CEO, New York, New York. 11.20 a.m., State of the Nation Special Education Update, Residential Schools for the Blind, IDEA, Regulations, and the Status of Education for Students Who Are Blind, Dr. Sharon Sachs, Superintendent, California State School for the Blind, Fremont, California. 11.45 a.m., Ski for Light, 40 Years and Going Strong, Judy Dixon, Secretary, Ski for Light International, Arlington, Virginia. 11.55 a.m., Announcements, and that concludes the agenda for Monday, July 3rd.